This is the Decibel Podcast with Chris Sinzak and Aaron Camaro. Let's do this. It's time right now. This is the Decibel Geek Podcast. My name is Aaron Camaro, and I'm joined as always. This is always so awesome for me because I always say it every week. My kick-ass co-host and good buddy, Chris Sinzak. And I say that because it's true. Man, we got to get back out of this and start hanging out again. How are you doing on the other side of Tennessee? Not bad. How are you? I'm doing all right, you know, just it's still weird to be in a room by myself recording the Decibel Geek podcast. Yeah, I know, we, we haven't seen each other since March. It's got to be just about time to break all that. I, I'm, I'm, you're, you're the owner of the studio, so I, I wait for the word to come down from you. But if you, if you give the A-OK, then I will be much more sober on future episodes. I was gonna just say that, you know, I do kind of like it when you get totally hammered like you did last week, you know, maybe, and, maybe this is a good thing. Maybe it's, it's good for you to drink. I mean, if we've learned anything from the guests we're gonna be introducing here in a minute, it's, it's good to drink while you podcast, right? Yeah, my my liver would disagree with you, but yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's definitely more fun, and I don't have to worry about driving forty minutes each way. Right, and it's always kind of funny because the listener response is always a little better when we're. It's like the drunker we get, the more people like it because we think we're so damn funny that somehow it actually ends up actually being funny. Yeah, unintentionally. Mm-hmm. But we got to get serious today because. That's right, we're newscasters, Chris and Aaron, bringing you the hottest stories of the day, the most important events happening in the world. You're going to find out right here today on the Decibel Geek Podcast as we bring you another edition of New Noise. Ready to do this again. Um, uh, I think we have a good, uh, we have a, definitely have a cool guest coming on and we have a good lineup of stories to talk about. That's right. But before we get to all that, we got to take care of the business. And what's our business? We deal in reviews. That's right. It's like money to us. It's more valuable than money to us because reviews are cool because what they do is they alert other people to what's going on here. There might be somebody out there going, man, I'm new to podcasting. I'm a big fan of good kick-ass hard rock. I got to find a podcast that's just for me. And what they do is they go to their various outlets of where they get podcasts and they look at the reviews and they see an awesome one like this and they go, I got to check out the Decibel Geek podcast. This one's entitled A Great Podcast. It's an Apple podcast review. It comes with five of those sweet, sweet stars. And it goes a little something like this. I look forward to your episodes every week and have had a lot of fun digging into the archives as well. My favorite so far has been the Bon Scott era of ACDC and the Vinnie Vincent episodes. The quarantine sessions have also been very enjoyable. Really loved the Ralph Vieira and Chris Aiken episodes in particular. Speaking of Vinnie, I was truly sorry that things went sideways the way they did between him and you guys, especially after all the love and support you gave him. For what it's worth, you guys were an instrumental, if not unwilling, part in creating a textbook lesson on how not to stage a comeback if you have been a rock star standing in the shadows. Keep up the great work. Get ready for this. 
It's from a lady. I know. I couldn't believe it. Comes to us from Elizabeth. It's an Apple Podcast review. It's awesome. It's all right. So we uh, we can we say we now have a two percent female audience because it wasn't one. I think so. I know there's like four or five of them out there, but I also know there's a whole lot of rock and roll dudes that dig what yeah. we're doing here on Decibel Geek. But we love the ladies too. Never yeah. mistake that. Very cool. And uh, thanks so much, Elizabeth, for the review. Leave us a review on Apple. Leave it on Podchaser. We haven't gotten a Facebook recommendation in quite a while, so leave us one there. That's and, the easiest uh, we, one. Yeah, we love to hear you guys. Uh, so uh, our other favorite people, the Geeks of the Week, these are people that shared on Facebook and retweeted on Twitter. Last week's Reverse Beat the Geek, where Aaron did okay. I think I think you did okay overall. It was a rough first round, though. I, was, I did okay. I mean, to go 1-1-1. One, one, and one, I mean, you know, you can't win them all. So, I mean, if I'm going to go with a record like that, played it nice and straight, right down the middle, won one, lost one, tied one, too. So, I know, pretty average. Yeah, I'm I'm ready to go back to being the geek, though. Yeah, I'm ready to go back to be the host, too. <laughs> we'll go back to our regular roles next week or next next time. Yeah. Uh, so geek, Geeks of the Week this week are Simon Cat, Adam Cox, Jeffrey Mendenhall, Joshua Toomey, John Phillips, David Glenn, Andrew Jacobs, Rock and Ron Runyon, Decibel Geek TV, Scott Crouch, David Cathy, The Bakery Podcast, Aaron Baker, JGP Body of the Soul, Hakon Bergstad, Eladio, Chris Vickery, Keith Rockford, Daniel Passfield, Vet Halen, The Deadly Romantics, and as always, The, the Mooger Fooger. That's right. Those are our people, our Geeks of the Week. They went out and took last week's episode. They found it on Facebook. They shared it. They found it on Twitter. They retweeted it, and they helped us get the word out about what's going on every single week here on the Decibel Geek Podcast. We appreciate them so much that we always read their names before we get to the party. And we got to do it this week. We're going to do it next week. We're going to always do it. You want to hear your name added to this prestigious list? You already know. Share it. Retweet it. Do it. Yep. And uh, without further ado, I warned everybody this was going to happen. We have a Wadzilla on the horizon. Welcome <laughs> back, Ian Wadley. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Happy to be oh. here. Jesus Christ, that intro was longer and more drawn out than the wedding scene in the fucking Deer Hunter. <laughs> Plus, I fucking, uh, I was a Geek of the Week last week, you pricks. I shared the episode. You even liked it, and I didn't even get a mention. No respect here. No respect. But the fact is, I, I shared the show, right. you fucking pricks. But uh, happy to be here. How y'all doing? All right, well, well, before we go on, okay, for clarity's sake, because I did this on Facebook last week, and I'll do it now. If you don't share the original link I post on the Facebook fan page or the Twitter page, that's the that those are the links I put the list together from. I, I don't want to hear your jibber jabber. That's what I did. You weren't and listed you on there. Did you check your okay. privacy settings? Well, maybe it's because I'm blabberish. I don't know. I said rock and run running. You guys are one and the same, right? <laughs> no, no, no. One's on probation. The other one can get caught. <laughs> which is which? You decide. That's right. Uh, you oh, fucking man. pricks, how you doing, man? I'm happy to be here. Decibel Geek, this is the big time. That's right, yeah. you know, and when we're doing something like we're doing today where we're bringing the news, I'm talking about the important stuff, time to get serious. There's nobody more serious that could stand by our side and deliver the news than Ian Wadley. That's right, I'm happy to be here with my oldest friends in uh, my podcast in history, uh, an inspiration and... Uh, great friends it's an honor to be here man thank you 
an inspiration. That's funny. Uh, you you were you were hey, you know you know don't laugh just because I sucked. You were still an inspiration. <laughs> hey, quit telling people that. All right. <laughs> I get that. I get that. Okay, I'll shut up. <laughs> Wow, man. Oh man, I can tell we're gonna have fun with this already. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I mean, what you want me to say? I listen to Rock Strikes twi- Ten. Nobody would believe that shit. Oh. No, I listen to you guys. Oh, oh, come on! You knew what you were getting into when you invited me on here. God damn it! I can still react to it though, right? Come yeah, on. yeah, yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I love that fake. Ooh. Ah. Yeah. Well, no, it didn't didn't surprise me in the least. To be honest. <laughs> Shots fired. Yeah. <laughs> That's what your mom said when my check bounced. Oh, see, I beat you to it. We'll start with the mama jokes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Ian, you're down in uh, in New Orleans. How are things down there? Uh, not too bad. Missed out on a third straight hurricane, so I'm doing okay. Just sitting here uh, drinking and uh, lucky to have power, you know. Most of the state's all fucked up. The whole golf coast's fucked up, but somehow... New Orleans makes it out okay. And I, I couldn't help hmm. but notice you mentioned that uh, when I, I posted kind of a teaser on the Diabolus and Podcastica page that some major announcements were going to be hap- happening on your appearance here. Do you want to do that now? Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I, I've had some surgery, and uh, and I'm single once again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Ladies Unfortunately, or gentlemen. it looks like uh, uh, Diablos and Podcastica is no longer uh, the show I started doing with Joshua Toomey. Uh, Josh decided uh, it just wasn't working out. But uh, the the cool thing is we're, we're still great friends. There's no, like, argument between me and Josh. It was just, uh, just wasn't working out from his standpoint, and I totally get that. He's got a great thing going with Talk To Me. Uh, great show. Love it. And we decided, you know, he was the first guy who called me when my last show ended and said, hey, man, let's do something. And I think it was great. I think it was a great show. But it didn't work out the way we planned. And he decided to stick with what he's doing. And I get it. I, I totally understand. Uh, I'm still proud of all the episodes we did. But as of right now, I'm a free agent, and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I think I'm leaning towards retirement. No. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I might come out and do, like, you know, uh, a guest appearance. Like, like I'm on the Hollywood Squares circuit right now. You know, I have nothing active going, but, uh, you know, I'm more than happy to be on this fantastic show. But um, I'm not really looking to start up a new show and uh, – I think it might be time for me to step aside from from podcasting, but uh, you know that's cool. I've had a good run, nothing to complain about. But you know, happy to be here, and we may or may not do a farewell show of Diabolos. I hope we do because we had uh, an interview I was very excited about lined up with uh, Blue Oyster Cult. I don't know like if that could be our final episode or if we're totally done. It's not sure. The only thing I'm happy about is. Is Toomey and I's friendship is still intact. We're great friends, uh, you know, which is so different from my last show that ended. Um, but yeah, I'm. Uh, I I have nothing to promote. Wow, mm. you're a two time yeah. podcast divorcee. 
Yeah, 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 yeah. You think maybe it's me? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. E- even your fucking fan of the week's like, I like the Ralph Vieira episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that was yeah, not but... intentional. It's the only review I could find. Yeah. Well. And it, and it yeah. was a good episode. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it is what it is. I'm, I'm very proud of the shows that I've done. Um, really, I mean, I, I think I really, you know, the bar was set high with the Rock and Metal Combat podcast, yeah. and I stand by everything I did with, with Josh on uh, Diablos and Podcastica. But, uh, and, you know, this, this shit's hard. I mean, you guys know out of anybody. It takes a lot of time. It takes dedication. You know, it, there's a lot of stuff that goes into doing a successful podcast. And uh, I, I just don't know if I'm ready to try that again. And I don't want to, like, just do something to do something, mm-hmm. you know, because the bar is set kind of high, and I don't want to limbo under that motherfucker. I want to knock it down. Yeah. And I don't see that happening right now, so maybe it's just time to step aside. But I'm happy to be here with you guys. I mean, yeah. you know, because you guys are the stars, you know. You know, this episode doesn't do well. I'll blame it on you. talent, you know. Well, I... I propose you join Decibel Geek and we just rebrand the the show Three Kicks to the Groin. <laughs> it sounds yeah. like that's about what it would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, off mic, uh, Camaro's going, no. <laughs> God damn, you know, you think about all the great shit that's come out of podcasting and, and the rock and pot expos and all the friendships and stuff and, you know, you guys are friends for life and you know, that's awesome. Even if I never podcast again, the friendships that we've built through this shit, uh, you know, the people we've entertained with our respective shows, uh, you know, that, that, that shit, you can't replace it. You know, it's awesome. So whatever happens from here on out, it's all, it's all good. You know? Well, we're, we're happy to have you on today. Yeah. This obviously won't be the last. I'd love to have you back. You know, I'd love you know, semi regularly. And I want, I don't want you to be here too often, but, but once in a say, while. What are you trying to do? I feel like I'm getting, re- I feel like I'm about to get replaced on my own show. No. <laughs> hey, you know, Ian, I, I really love it. If uh, you could replace Camaro, man, that'd be great. Hey, wait a minute. I'm right here. I'm listening. We're recording this. <laughs> Since I tell him all the time what a prick you are, uh-huh. I'm worse. So he's going to keep you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Less two evils, I suppose. <laughs> Such a... <laughs> Plus, you, got, you got the fucking voice. You got the, who can replace Aaron Camaro, for Christ's sake? Well, I was I was posting on Facebook this week, like Aaron, uh, Aaron and I are going through older episodes and like we're you know getting specific clips out because next year's ten years. So I, I, I volunteered stupidly to go through the first like hundred episodes and I'm, I'm on episode two and it's all before Aaron joined the show. And I'm like, God damn, this show sucks without Aaron. <laughs> I'm just like, God. I was so bad in the beginning. I probably still am, but like, I was just like, it's so cringeworthy listening to the first few episodes of this show. Yeah, but that's the catalyst, you know. That's what really started it. I mean, without you having the ball step out on your own and give it a shot, would have never grown to the point where it would have grabbed my attention to how it became what it is. Yeah, but so that's important. Like, it's like it's audio baby pictures. 
Yeah. Don't beat yourself up too hard. It's still cringeworthy now. Oh, I agree. Until yeah. <laughs> Camaro starts talking. Oh, I that, agree. He, he's the one who that, brings the professional side to this. Yeah, right. <laughs> as as I alternate sips between my Bloody Mary and my Coors Light, I say, you're well, right. Yes! This is, this is yes! professionalism. Damn, dude. Uh, you know, and I just I feel so robbed that we didn't have our August get together this year. I know, you know, it sucks. Because I, 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 I tell you what, man, those rocking pods. Besides, you know, meeting the rock stars, uh, meeting the listeners that you know that we interact with on, on social media and stuff. But I, the best part every year has been the day after. You know, when we yeah. all get together as friends. And hang out, and you know, there's been so many pictures online and stuff. But I mean, th- that is really what it's all about—is hanging out with you guys in person, because uh, we are we're we're, we're a tight knit family, mm-hmm. and uh, and I missed it this year, man. And especially oh, with all the bullshit that's happened this year, I really could have used that shit this year, hanging out with you guys. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, I told you on the phone the other day that you know even if you don't have a show next year, you still have to come to Rock and Pod because you you it wouldn't be the same without you. Right, right. But n- now I'm like I'm, I'm a retired podcaster. You got to pay me like you know, <laughs> but like I like I was the bass player in Babylon AD. You got to pay me to get there. You know. Yeah, I'm paying guarantees to Michael Sweet and Ian Wadley. <laughs> hey, makes sense to me. You know. What if I just give you a case of beer? Will that work? Yeah, I'll be there. Pabst Blue Ribbon. <laughs> so, I'll be like I'll be like Sonny Pooney and give you a case of beer. Yeah, hey, hey, it all worked. I wasn't even angry with Sonny Pooney. That was Ralph, and Sonny Pooney gave me a case of beer. I'm like, I love celebrity. This is great. <laughs> yeah. Hollywood. Sonny Pooney rules. Love Sonny. Well, man, that sucks, man. Everybody was what you and Josh were doing. It, I mean, it's well, cool that you guys can still be friends after it's all over. So, you know, I don't see no reason why you guys couldn't do a, a final show, a good goodbye, because just like anything, when when podcasts go away or a TV show goes away, a lot of times it's it's just over. No goodbye. Right, right. No, and I'd like to do it. And I, I talked to, to Josh about it, and, uh, you know, we didn't come to a final decision, but... I mean, the great thing is me and Josh are still awesome friends. I mean, you know, when when he wrote me the Dear John letter, he's like, I love you to death. And, you know, he's just like, I don't want to fuck you no more. I was like, I get that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, so I, I would like, because I really believe in the show, and I, I think, you know, given time, but, you know, I get that shit happens. I would like to do, like, a goodbye show. But if he doesn't want to do one, I'm not going to force him to. Uh but again, the main thing is we still have that friendship. We still have that, you know, love am- amongst brothers, which I don't have with my previous show, you know, where we don't even talk. So right, and that rock and uh, yeah, the rock and metal I'll combat piss- podcast never got a goodbye show. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I'm still doing, I'm still doing episodes. I, I need to get back on it. I'm still honoring uh, all the rock and pod, the paid episodes. Uh, you will be for two years. Oh, I know, I, I know. Hey, we raised a lot of money for that shit. Yeah, you did. Uh, you know, so I'm I'm still going to honor those, and I need to get back on it. Um, 
Well, I remember but, the last time that you were on Decibel Geek, you said, hey, Camaro, you got to come on and do one of these with me. And I said, what band? And he's like, I don't know. I can't remember the name. And that was the last I ever heard. <laughs> oh, well, I, I sent it to you, actually. Oh, did I sent you? it to you on Drop. I sent you the album. The name of the band, I think, is like Cyclone. Uh, I don't know. I think that's her name. I don't know. We got to record that one soon. I sent it to you on Dropbox, and that was like months ago. I'll take a double uh, look. I must have missed it. Yeah, but but we'll do that because definitely I'm going to honor you know everybody who who chipped in for Rock and Pod will get their episode. I mean, it's not going to be, of course, Ralph and myself, but I'm going to do it uh, as I have been with special guest hosts, other uh, podcast hosts, other you know fans of of Rock and Metal Combat podcast. So I'm going to honor all that. Then I'm going to put you know Rock and Metal Combat podcast to sleep. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. But, like I said, you know, start a new show, I, I don't know. Because you guys know. You guys have this chemistry. You guys, the way you guys work together is amazing. And you wouldn't have that with anybody else. I no, had that with Ralph. Right. I, had, I had that with Josh. I think Josh and I had very good chemistry. But I'm not going to do a show just to have a show, especially when I've done two shows that I believe in as much uh you know, it'd be like, it'd be like you guys like, oh, you guys get into a fight. You know, Sinzak's not going to do a show with Andrew Jacobs. You know, <laughs> even I wouldn't listen. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's when 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 you reach what you want to reach, why go below? You know, it's, sometimes it's better to just bail out. You know, yeah. stop lipstick, Paul Stanley. Just stop touring. Yeah. Damn. I get it. But, uh, I mean, there's yeah. a lot of podcasters out there that I love and respect, but I can't think of doing a show with any single one of them other than Chris Inzak. Uh, and ditto. Oh, ex- exactly. I mean, you guys, the way you guys bounce off each other, the way you compliment each other uh, is amazing. And, you know, knowing both of you, the friendship that you have, that, that is the center, you know, of the show. Well, that's you know, because it grew that, out of the show. Know. Yeah. So, so I'm yeah. glad to show up and fuck all that up, you know. So thanks for having me. <laughs> Man, no. I guess, you know, because I didn't think that was going to be the big breaking news story. I mean, the, the top of the show, the number one thing you talk about. I mean, that's crazy. But I sure thought the number one news story is the new Ugly Kid Joe album is finished. Oh, oh really? Hell yeah, man. Have you guys ever heard of the Chuck Shoot podcast? Yeah, he does a great job. I don't really know Chuck, but I've seen a lot. I've listened to a couple of his episodes. He's, he's, he's really good. Yeah, I know. I don't know him either, but I caught this because somebody pointed it in my direction. But he had super producer Dave Fortman on the show, who by chance also happens to have been one of the guitar players in Ugly Kid Joe since 1992. And so he was on the show talking about all kinds of different Ugly Kid Joe stuff. This Chuck Shoot, man, I haven't listened to any of the other shows. I'm going to have to, but this guy really knows his Ugly Kid Joe and had a really great interview with Dave Fortman, and the new Ugly Kid Joe album is finished. I guess there's not a release date on it, but the title is Rad Wings of Destiny. <laughs> I saw that. and I, I saw an interview with him where he said, he was saying that it's going to be different than their Ugly Kid Joe albums, but it's like straight up rock and roll. Straight so up should... rock and roll. That's the thing about yeah. Ugly Kid Joe. Every one of their albums is different than the one before, but it's all kick-ass rock and roll. I know Ian's really excited about this record. 
Well, you know, and the funny thing is, and I've never announced this because I knew Camaro would never let me live this down. Oh. But I was I was dating this girl last year, and a former boyfriend of hers is Fortman. Oh, wow. no I was, shit. <laughs> I was like, you've got to be shitting me. You've got to be shitting me. The guy from other – because, like, now Camaro's going to be like, how does Fortman taste? Does Fortman taste? <laughs> and I, I'm like, ah, oh, fuck. I'm like, I can't even announce this shit, you know. But we're, we're no longer dating, but we are friends. But uh, evidently, I do know how Fortman tastes. Um, <laughs> wow. But, uh, hey, ugly kid Joe. Hey, you know. I, I love to tease Camaro about this, but I don't hate Ugly Kid Joe. I, I think Whitford's a good singer. Uh, I'll check it out. I'm not a huge fan, but I'll check it out. So I think anybody I, that I, gives this band a chance has got to find something in there that they like. You know, This is a band that's got Ozzy, Rob Helford, and Lemmy Kilmeister's stamp of approval on them. I mean, come on. Just because they're called Ugly Kid Joe, just because you, the only songs that most people have ever heard is Cats in the Cradle and I Hate Everything About You, and they weren't around for a very long time. I mean, it's awesome that they're back now, and they've been putting out amazing albums this time around. The old stuff is badass, too. There's something in there for everybody. Anybody that likes kick-ass rock and roll, you got to at least like some Ugly Kid Joe. Yeah, tastes well, good they, to me. Uh, well, they got panned into that kind of novelty act corner because, although it's funny, like you know, Cats in the Cradle was a legit big hit, and you know, it was it was kind of, and I, you know, I don't blame them for releasing that because everything about you was kind of that was a novelty song, but so they they, they do the Cats in the Cradle cut, but then everybody's like, well, they're just now they're just doing a cover song, so they're just a novelty band, but. If you really dig into their stuff, especially that was it that Motel California album. Yeah. Um, there's really good stuff there. You just have to get past the kind of the goofy name and everything. But the and uh, the the uh, was it Stairway or yep. Stairway Stairway to Hell album? The first EP when they came back. Yeah, that that's really good stuff. So um, I'm excited to hear it. You know, and the it last be full, interesting. the last full length album, uglier than they used to be, killer the whole yeah. way through. Not a bad song on it. But yeah, so we'll we'll see what happens. But you know, that, I didn't know uh, that Ian was banging a girl that banged a member of Ugly Kid Joe. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I know, and I hope they keep the pun thing alive. I hope the the next album is Ugly Lives Matter. You know, <laughs> keep it topical. <laughs> Ugly Lives Matter. So I guess the real question here is, Ian, did you earn your rad wings of destiny? <laughs> no, motherfucker. I'm like 46, and it's uh, unlike rocking around running. I sleep with age appropriate. <laughs> all you hear is the clanking of walkers hitting each other <laughs> no, that, that is actually my only hope for a new show is uh you know rock and ron runyon did hit me up he's like hey let's do a show and call it just kidding and uh i'm gonna leave it at that just kidding i would honestly love to hear a show of you and rock and ron runyon <laughs> yeah where, where you know we do topical rock news and uh, we discuss, you know, what happened with his, his uh, parole officer that week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here, here's here's the problem with that. And, and I'll give everybody a little behind the scenes of the Decibel Geek podcast. Nobody takes longer to edit than Rockin' Ron Runyon and Ian Wadley. So good luck to whoever decides to produce that show. 
<laughs> yeah. One's because of the rambling. The other one's because of the legal ramifications. Uh, <laughs> I'll leave it for you to decide. Oh, man. All right. You guys ready to get back onto the news? Yep. Yes, sir. All right. Before we move on to the rest of the news, I just want to say, you know, it, it really does suck that the, uh, you know, what 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 was the name of the show? District of Columbia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the Diplodocus in History podcast. Damsel in Distrastica. The Displacia Hippica podcast. Right. It's a bummer that's not going to go on. I thought you guys did something really good, you know, and we're all friends with Ralph and we're all friends with Josh and obviously we're friends with you. You know, it's one of those things, you know, you eventually the right thing will come around, you know, and you'll know when it's the real thing. So, you know, just keep your mind open and, you know, something's going to come around for you. You're too good of a podcaster. People Whoa. fucking love you too much. Oh, well, I, I mean, I, I appreciate that. I mean, I, I mean, especially coming from, you know, people I, I hold in such high regard. Well, by people, I mean, Aaron, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, that's awesome, but, you know, I'm also cool with uh, sitting back. But if something comes up and, and something strikes me, yeah, great, you know. But if not, so be it, you know. I'll come on here every once in a while and fuck with you guys and make fun of Senzak. Right on. Oh. And in the meantime, like you said, you're still doing the uh, Rock and Metal Combat podcast with guests, and, you know, I'm coming on. I'm sure, Chris, I think you got one coming yes. up, so... You know, you got that in the meantime, so just focus on that until, you know, the the thing strikes you. You sound like a old middle-aged woman been divorced a couple of times. You know, I'm not right, quite ready to get back in the game just yet, but eventually, yeah. sweetheart, you will. Yeah, I'm on podcast Karen right now. Get up. I feel threatened. I'm going to call the cops. Get off of my lawn. <laughs> <laughs> Ian Wildley's a cougar. <laughs> <laughs> on the loose. Wow. All right. What oh, else? What, what kind of news we got? Let's let's get serious for a minute. Okay. So uh, this one struck me today. This actually came out today. Uh, the, the headline is: Did ACDC accidentally leak photos from the set of a new video? And uh, it says the ACDC fan site ACDC Brazil has shared several photos that were pur- purportedly that's a hard word to say when you've been drinking posted on the band's official homepage before being removed from the site. The pictures can be seen below appear to have been taken on the set of a new video from the reunited band with Brian Johnson, Phil Rudd, Cliff Williams, Angus, and Stevie Young. Wow. So uh, it looks like ACDC's got something in the works, and I've already messaged Mike Fraser, and I said, is the cat out of the bag? And he has not responded to me. Yeah, I was going to say, if it, if something was leaked, I can guarantee it did not come from Mike Fraser. <laughs> no. He did not want to talk about it, but it, all all signs point to ACDC's got material coming out. That's which awesome. Is great. Well, you know, one thing that points in that favor is I I sent a message to Chris Slade, oh, and, no. uh, you know, hey, what's going on? And he said, hey, you want to start a podcast? <laughs> uh, so, so I think Phil Rudd's got his job back. Yeah, uh, well. I love Chris Slade, and he's a professional guy, but Phil Rudd is the—he's the engine of that band. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, he is. I mean, that is the drummer. Has always been the drummer for ACDC. Um, I'm excited about it. You know, I hope for the best. I don't have high expectations. Uh, I found the last ACDC album, Rock or Bust, uh, horrible. I, I thought it was really bad. I like really. 
Yeah, okay. Well, you know, you still well, love Kiss. Your, your bar is very low. I like uh, I like three or four songs. Yeah, so there's some really good stuff on that album as a whole. I mean, there there appears to be some filler also, but there are some good songs on Rock or Bust. Yeah, well, you know, and, and they're supposed to be using... Uh, I, I don't know if they're actually using riffs from Malcolm or if it was riffs written by Malcolm, but I mean, you want to talk about, you know, you know, visually, you know, you can't replace Angus, uh, you know, sonically you can't at, at this stage in the game, you can't replace Brian Johnson, but as far as writing new music, I really don't think you can replace Malcolm. So, you know, you know, Hey, I'm going to check it out. I'm, I'm going to hope for the best, uh, you know, but after bust, you know, and, and the one before that, the Black Ice. Uh, I didn't, didn't care do, for that one. Yeah, I, I didn't care for that. And I, I kind of, you know, what was the one before that? Uh, stiff Upper Lip. Yeah, Stiff Upper Lip. Even yeah. that, to me, was was pretty half-ass. So, uh, but it doesn't matter. I mean, ACDC, you know, they're, you know, it's set in stone. ACDC's a legend. Right. You know, nothing, nothing's going to fuck with it. If this album comes out and it's a turd, it's not going to erase everything that ACDC's done. But I'm not like, ooh, I'm excited to hear it. But right. if it's great, great. That's gravy. I, I'm glad that Phil Rudd's back, you know, as, you know, a, a man who does a lot of crystal meth myself. You know, <laughs> hey, there's a chance. You know, and uh, he sounds like Chris Slade. I love Chris Slade. I actually saw ACDC with Chris Slade on the Razor's Edge tour. Uh but yeah, Phil Rudd deserves to be behind that drum kit. Yeah. And uh you know, you can't kick ACDC for being a drug addict or trying to have somebody killed. That fits right in with that shit, yeah. you know? That should be part of the requisite. Yeah, exactly. I mean, goddamn, you should have kicked Simon Wright out for just being boring. You Ooh. know, for Christ's sake. You know? <laughs> oh, come on. He is a boring drummer. I'm sorry. He might be the nice guy on earth. That is a boring drummer. Yeah, but like ACDC is not exactly dream theater as far as drumming goes. Oh, don't give me that shit, though. Try to keep up with those the ACDC drum beats. It's kind of like, and you should, uh, Chris, appreciate this as a Ramones fan. Sometimes yeah. some of that simplistic shit, you know, and to keep that I, rhythm and that pace up. I'm not arguing know? with you on that, but, I mean, Simon Wright was, was fine. I, I would take Simon Wright over Chris Slade. Yeah, well, that's that's why uh, Camaro's my favorite co-host of this show because well, he knows about that. Oh, well, fuck oh. you! <laughs> okay, why? I don't know. I think it's cool either way. It's one of those things, you know. How long are we going to have ACDC? So let's put out as much music as we can. Let's get as much as we can. And it kind of reminds me of like when uh, a different kind of truth by Van Halen came out, and they kind of went back into their yeah. archives. And, you know, we're looking for stuff that they could use, something they could update and create and make a song out of something that was written in the 70s. Can you imagine what ACDC's vault must be like? There must be so much stuff that they can go back that Malcolm wrote that they can pull from for this new album. And if that's what it is, hey, I'm down with that. It's going to be great, I think. Well, I'm looking forward to it. ACDC, I got a feeling we've heard it before. <laughs> you know, but... <laughs> But but it don't matter if it's good, it's good. Right. You that know, goes I, that goes back I mean, to what you said about the Ramones. You know, it's it's not yeah. 
the yeah. most it's not dream theater but man it's right. in a lot of ways better than music like that yeah i agree well i mean yeah it's gonna i be, agree too. It, is better than dream theater yeah well it's gonna be a e d and g those are all the chords you need to do an acdc song so that's fine but yeah, I agree. If they if they have, go back into the vault and take unreleased stuff from from back in those days, I, I mean, I'd love to hear that because you know this wasn't on our list of stuff. But like Van Halen, a different kind of truth. I fucking love that record. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I, I do too. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope it's good, but I have low expectations, so it could surprise me. But I mean, fuck, you know, this is twenty twenty. If we get a new ACDC record, fucking a. Yeah, I'll take <laughs> you know? anything at this point. Yeah, exactly, exactly. All right, well, here's a, a next story. Is Ace Fraley on the first meeting with Bob Kulick? He said, I was intimidated by how great of a guitar player he was. And he says, uh, I didn't know Bob that well, but I was friends with him and jammed with him a couple times. Believe it or not, when I auditioned for Kiss, Bob was auditioning for Kiss. And he was actually playing when I walked into the room. I was intimidated by how great of a guitar player he was. Paul and Gene decided that I fit the band better because I had the right image. Of course, I could play and pulled everything out of my hat. When they played Deuce, I just ripped every riff that I knew and did a five-minute guitar solo. Paul told me they knew immediately that I was the one, but they didn't let me know for two weeks. They kept hang- kept me hanging on. Um, I don't know. What do you guys think about this? Do you, do you think Ace was really intimidated by Bob? Kulik when he uh, did the audition? Oh, I bet he was, man. Bob Kulik was already a seasoned professional by the time he was auditioning for Kiss, and Ace Fraley was just a street kid that grew up listening to Hendrix and the Stones and trying to emulate what he heard and coming up with his own thing. But that's just it. You know, that's the what they call the it factor. You know, sometimes the it factor is more important than your skill. You know, yeah. as a skilled guitar player, if that's what Kiss was looking for, if Kiss was more of a band that said, no, we have to be accepted by our musical skills, they would have went with Bob Kulik. But Kiss was a band saying, hey, we gotta, we're creating this image. We're trying to become larger than life. We need a certain sound, you know, and, and Ace Fraley just came in and fit the bill perfectly for what they were trying to do. And it wouldn't have been the same if it was Bob Kulik, musically or image wise. I mean, yeah, I can imagine Ace Fraley probably was pretty intimidated just on the skill level of Bob Kulik at that point. Yeah, I, I kind of agree because I'm like the Ace Fraley of podcasting. I'm really not that good, but my first podcast wore makeup, um, so I, <laughs> yeah, I get a lot of leeway. Um, yeah, technically, Bob was was much better, but Ace had a unique sound, you know, and he he did have the look, and that's fit for Kiss because yeah. Kiss has always been about more than the music, yeah. uh, you know. Come on, everybody admit that it's about an image. It's it's about this. But Ace did have a signature sound. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, for better or for worse, he had a sound that people identified with, uh, you know, that worked out great. So, yeah, I could see him being intimidated by somebody who was technically more proficient. Um, you know, but how many people know the name of Ace Fraley and how many people know the name of Bob Kulik other than fucking Kiss fans? Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, but I, I listened to Ace's new album today. Yeah, I was going to oh ask my. about that. What do you guys think of the new record? Oh, man, I'm, I'm sitting here on the sofa of sin 
here at Casa de la Wad. And I, I'm, I'm sitting here with Tommy the Cat, and we're listening to Because I knew this shit was going to gonna get brought up. So I'm like, let me listen to fucking Origins Volume 2. And I'm looking over at Tommy the Cat, and I'm like, Tommy, would you shut the fuck up? Because he's a talker. And he goes, I'm not singing. He goes, that's Ace's vocals. So I was like, oh, shit. Oh. Uh, you know, I get confused because Tommy does enunciate the shit out of everything he says, much like Ace. Oh, my God. Here comes Tommy right now. Um, yeah, not good. Not good. Hmm. Um, enough. I, I, I love Ace. I love what Ace did with Kiss in the 70s. I, I really do. And nothing, no matter how much I bitch about Kiss and I say this and I say that, I love it. It's had an impact on my life. But, you know, let's get honest about a solo career. Not that good. Not that good. That's right, Tommy. Tommy's talking now. Uh, <laughs> uh, I just love that your cat's named Tommy. Yeah, I'm I was going to say, in the, Tommy the cat. In the Tommy distorted the cat. world of Ian Wadley, that's not actually a yeah. cat. That's the current guitar player of Kiss. It's Tommy Thayer. <laughs> Telling him all these uh, things. Ace Frehley no, not no, that no, good. No, Tommy the cat wears his own makeup. He's not a copycat. <laughs> like um, but... Uh, no, I mean, it's just, I'm, I'm sitting here listening to it, and I'm even looking at the time length. I'm like, okay, 47 minutes. And I already accept, this is 47 minutes, I'll never get back. But I'm like, fuck it, I gotta listen to it. Because I don't want to bash it without listening to it. But I'm just like, oh, God. And then, you know, it's Ace, so it's like, does he even play on it, or is it just him enunciating? Come on. You know, probably <laughs> Origins Volume 2 is the last, like, actual recordings of, of Bob Kulik. You know, oh. you, know. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, oh, man. But great set list. I mean, the songs that he picked were great. That's like, God damn. Not that good. Not right. that good. I mean, what do you guys what do you guys think of it? I mean, I mean, Camaro, of course, you know, you named your kid Ace for Christ's sake. But you know what? I, I've got a cat I named after Kevin Spacey. So we all make mistakes. And also one you named after Tommy Thayer. Oh, no, 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 no. Tommy Lee. This cat's got the biggest dick you've ever seen. But he can't play drums for shit. He's overrated. But, I mean, what do you what do you guys think of the new uh, Ace album? I'm going to let Aaron go next. Wow, man. Okay. Yeah, la- last week we did Reverse Beat the Geek, and now I'm going to do Reverse Ian's review of the new Ace album. Okay. For one, I thought the song list... The track list on it, not that great. I mean, ah, okay. there's a, there's okay. a, like, okay, good times, bad times. That's not a song that's overplayed that I haven't overheard. You know, Space Trucking, Jumpin' Jack Flash, Lola, you know, Manic Depression. All these songs Ace does a lot of times are songs that everybody's covered. I mean, Ace is covering Lola on here. Ugly Kid Joe's covering Lola on their next album. There's so many bands that have covered Lola over the years. I like it when Ace digs a little deep. That's why I thought Never In My Life was really cool. I mean, The Politician, I think, is the best song on the album, oh, for sure. Oh, God, it's my least favorite. What? I hate no. that fucking song. What? No, I mean, I, I, I love the original song. I'm not, I'm not I like the original, too. I don't like too, the original, yeah. either, though. No. Oh, okay. Well, then, that's fucked to begin with. But, uh... I thought Robin Zander on 30 Days in the Hole, I thought that was awesome. I mean, these these Origins albums basically show that, you know, any band 
in history would only be better if Ace Frehley played lead guitar. But honestly, I think I think my favorite thing on this album is really the cover of She, and that's for personal reasons, and I know Chris is going to agree with this, because... I'll agree with you on that. I do think that was the best sounding song on there, and of course his backing band. Those are amazing musicians. Yeah. You know, you guys know we all met them at Rock and Pod. Yeah. Great, great musicians. I do think that was... Yeah, that sounded great, you know? But uh, Ace on his own, I don't know, man. I think Ace fits best when he's with Paul and Gene. They write a song, and he's able to add his acisms to it. I think that's where he shines. I don't think he shines that much on his own. I, I really mm. don't. I mean, I love the 78 album, don't get me wrong. But, god damn it, when, when Paul and Gene construct a song, and Ace is just left to, like, Ace, just put, you know, your stamp on this. That's the Ace Fraley I know and love. You know, much better than fucking, you know, rock soldiers and yeah. shit like that. Yeah, throw them. And again, it's always covers with him. It's always covers. You know, when, when it's up to him to write something, eh, you know, Come he on. does a cover. Oh, like shit. You're like, ah, you know, but God damn, I mean. Such bullshit, you know, Ian. Such bullshit. Ace Frehley's fucking awesome. Ace had a great lick with 78, and that was on Peter Chris. But I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> oh, man. Man, well, I got I'm such... That's, I call such bullshit on that. Ace Frehley has released some awesome stuff over the years as a solo artist. He is the most successful solo <laughs> artist that has ever been a member of KISS. And... You know what? But you're putting him up against Peter Chris for Christ's sake. You know, come on, that's a handicap. (laughs) You know, Peter Chris, Jesus Christ. You know, anybody look like a success next to Peter Chris. I think my favorite thing about this album is when you listen to it, you can hear kind of like Mike Fraser was talking about last week with some of the albums that he's had a hand in producing. When the fun in the studio comes through the speakers when you're listening to the final product. I don't know. I listen to this. I think some of it's really good. I think some of it's songs that have been covered a million times, that I've heard a million times. But overall, the impression I get off of this is this is an album that was a whole lot of fun to create because that kind of manifests itself when you're listening to it. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, I like it better than Origins Volume 1. And it was, it's funny, I had it set on shuffle with just Ace as the artist, and you know, I was listening to some stuff from this one, and then it then it bumped over to Origins Volume One, and the production value went way down. So, they this definitely is a better sounding record than the first one. Uh, I I agree on some of the song picks. Like, I mean, do we? You know, it's like if he's going to do a Beatles song, "I'm Down" is not the one I'd want to hear, but I do think he did a great job on it. I, and I was surprised by Lita Ford on Jumpin' Jack Flash because I, I, I hated her version of Wild Thing yeah, on the first one. way better Lita Ford. But this is, this is this actually one. pretty inspired sound. I actually enjoyed that one. The the only real drawbacks on this one for me, and I, Aaron says his favorite thing on the album, Politician, I think is awful. Dang, I don't but, get that. I, but I don't even like the original version, so that's maybe yeah, that's I, I, I don't know. I don't get that one either. But well, like, when I... When I hear this, I hear, 
I like here. This is something that was sent to people through emails. Okay, here you add your thing. Yeah, but that's most records these days. I, I I know, but but to me that's lacking because you're covering songs, you know, mostly from the '60s and '70s, um, that have the most organic vibe of yeah. all time. Like yeah. you know, and I, I hear the opening track, which is "Good Times, Bad Times." I'm like, where's that swagger? Where's that swing that you hear? on the Led Zeppelin original, hmm. you know, and, and to me that, you know, it just sounded like somebody sent somebody an MP3 and like, okay, you add your thing. You know, I don't feel like this is a group of musicians playing together, you know, you know, like feeling the groove feeling. It's like, okay, this is where I hit the hi hat here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, no. She sounded amazing to me. That was the best sounding one. But again, I've heard she a fucking gazillion times. If I want to hear she, I'm going to listen to fucking Dress to Kill. You know? I mean, I think, you know, I I think he did great. But as far as the rest of the song, it just sounds like a bunch of piecemeal kind of shit. I don't know. know. I mean, I'm trying not, I don't know. I'm not trying to look too deeply into it. I mean, I'm just viewing it as just a straight up covers record. So, I mean, I liked it better than the first one. I think the first four tracks, I mean, Good Times, Bad Times, Never in My Life, Space Trucking, I'm Down, even Jumpin' Jack Flash is good. And My favorite, and I predicted this before I even heard the record, was 30 Days in the Hole with Robin Zander singing. Yeah, so badass. You can't, yeah. you can't beat Robin Zander singing. No, but, uh, that was good, but, you know, all in all, I'd rather hear, like, you know, come up with something new, Ace, because he can do it because I think the song Space Invader Oh my god! I, I think that's one of the best things he's done outside of Kiss. Oh my god! You know, Space I, Invader. I, I, I wasn't a fan of that album, but that song, I was like, "Oh my god, this is Ace Frehley. Here we yeah. go. This is fucking awesome." Oh you my know? god, Ace! <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Uh, <laughs> you know, but uh, no, I, I, I think he can do it, but Ace just needs the right people around him and the right people around him are Gene Simmons, Paul Stanley and, and, uh, you know, by his taste, Peter Christ, you know, but, uh, I like it overall though. I'm pretty happy with it. Yeah. I dig it. Yeah. Too. But, but, but do you find it uh, in, in all honesty, in all honesty, is this an album that you will revisit? You know, that you're going to be like, I'm going to go out of my way to listen to this again. Right. Probably not, but, that, but that's most. Or is this going to be an album you're going to listen to one time to review for an episode and never visit again? Because I, I was doing that when I was listening to it today. I was like, will I ever, ever listen to this again? No, I, I you know, in all honesty, no. Well, I can tell you this: I went to Target to get my copy. I should have pre-ordered it, but I didn't. But then all of a sudden the word was, wow, it's a exclusive version at Target. So I went that day. I went on Friday to get it. And I went there, and there was like one little area that was a bunch of disarrayed bullshit of different CDs. And I didn't see Ace in there. So I found somebody. And I was like, hey, I'm looking for the new Ace Fraley CD. Target exclusive. Supposed to be out today. And there was a dude over there getting help, and he was like, Ace Frehley's got a new album? <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, man, this is cool. You know, I was like, yeah. 
You know, so I showed them a picture of it. This is what it's supposed to look like. They went in the back and they came out with three CDs and I got one of them. But by that time, the guy was already gone. But he was like, that's cool, man. I didn't know Ace Frehley had a new CD coming out. So by the time, because the only reason I went to Target was to get the CD. And once I had it in my hand, it went right to the checkout. By the time I'm checking out, that dude is up there, too. So I show it to him. I was like, check it out, dude. New Ace Fraley right here. And he's like, how many tracks are on it? And I said, 12. And he says, man, that's cool. I'm going to have to come back and get that. So I had a pretty cool experience picking it up. You know, it kind of, kind of took me back to when I was young, you know, and you'd go to the CD store on the day that something was being released and being so excited about getting in there and getting it, you know, and they throw open the gates at the mall or whatever and you run in and you grab it. And there's other people around that are excited about it too. That's kind of what it reminded me of. I I took the day off when psycho circus came out. I took that day off of work. Nice. I was, I was in the best buy parking lot at like fucking nine o'clock and they didn't open up till 10, (laughs) you know? So, no, I, I know that, and that's awesome, and I, I do miss that feeling. You know, I miss that feeling of shit. I remember when you you used to wait in line for concert tickets, and it was actually yeah. like, who was in line first? It wasn't like, well, I work for Citibank, so we have the first row reserved, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, yeah, I, I miss that shit, but... Uh, I slept on a sidewalk for Pink Floyd tickets. Nice. Oh, man. I, I skipped school for who tickets, you That's know, cool. but I thought it was odd. Like, you know, anybody who's listening to any of my shows know about my friend, Mr. X, who who gets a lot of this shit. And I'm like, where, where's the leak on this new Ace Fraley album? And even to me, text me, he's like, yeah, I got the new Ace Fraley. I'm like, where'd you get it? He's like, well, you know, I got, you know, connections at the label and shit like that. Well, they sent it to every podcaster on earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I'm not a podcaster. Well, you're not, uh, not anymore. anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, too soon, too soon. Uh, but but no, like on all this the sites that myself and Mister X go on, it's like, you know, it's like where was the anticipation for this? Like every other anything like Kiss related, like you know, gets leaked, and there's all this excitement for this. Like, it was like the day of release. I looked like, oh, yeah, yeah, we got this. Well, I don't know. uh, There's something pretty cool going on where if you bought the CD from Target and you take a picture of yourself holding the CD in front of Target, I think it's over by the time this episode comes out. But as we record this, there's a contest going on where you can win a bunch of cool Ace Fraley stuff by doing that and then, like, putting a certain hashtag on it. So, I mean, that's that's pretty slick. I like that. no, I tried to win the free blow job, but uh, Peter Chris got that one. <laughs> <laughs> he beat you by thirty years. Yeah, and six inches, son of a bitch. He's Italian, you know. Oh, man. That's the that, spoiler that, for you. That tells me it's time to move on to the next story. All right, well, hang next on. Story. You know, because as big a news as it was that you know Ace Frehley's got the new album out of Origins Volume Two. Another big Ace Frehley story came out this week when he appeared on the Cassius Morris show and kind of pledged his support for Donald Trump as president. And man, did shit go crazy on the Ace Frehley fan pages. I was going to stay away from this, but go ahead. But I mean, it it was fucking crazy. Like, 
after he did that, I was like, oh, hell yeah, Cash S'mores, you know, the fucking balls to ask a question like that. And then Ace Frehley, the balls to straight up answer it the way he did. And then I went to the Ace Frehley fan forum group. And it was like, holy shit, had it broke loose. Because there was people on there that the day before had claimed to be like the biggest Ace Frehley fans in the world. That when word got out that Ace Frehley planned on voting for Donald Trump, they were like, fuck Ace Frehley. I'll never listen to Ace Frehley again over that. And I was just blown away by it. Yeah, I I don't get that shit. I mean, uh, it doesn't surprise me uh, that that he's pro-Trump. But at the same time, I would never stop listening to somebody I love because of their political beliefs. No. And, and, and I, I think that's, that, that's just insane. I mean, there's nobody more philosophically or morally that I disagree with than Ted Nugent. I love Ted Nugent's music. Yeah. I, I will never stop listening to Ted Nugent's music. But I, I know what he believes in, and I'm against all of that shit. But goddamn, I love Stranglehold. <laughs> I love all, I, I love all that Ted Nugent's done. You even love uh, Penetrator? <laughs> uh, Nobody loves Penetrator. Mom, but uh, I'm just saying. You know, no, 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 no. No, I mean, I'm not saying I love everything he's done, but you know what right. I mean? It's like I would never stop listening to somebody's music because of who they support. No, you know, I'm all either. about the music. Does the music touch me? Uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be lyrically. Or, you know, subject wise, you know, but just musically, you know, do I enjoy it? You know, I'm not going to stop. And uh, and I've seen so much of this shit on Facebook in the last, you know, basically during the whole Trump administration. All these people like if you're anti-Trump, I'll never listen to your music again. But, you know, yet, you know, if you hate Trump, you're called a snowflake. But these people are like, oh, I'll never listen to you again. Well, yeah. It, and vice versa, it, too. It, it, yeah, it, it's ridiculous. It's if I like the music, I'll listen to it. Right. I separate the politics from the musician. It, it, it's it's retarded. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm very strong in my beliefs. I'm very anti fucking Trump. Very anti Trump. No, not you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, like I'm gonna stop listening to music I love because the musician who created disagrees with me. That's fucking crazy. Anybody else, you know, you know, if you're, you know, I don't care. You, you might be as left as me, but if you disagree with, with another band's right wing politics, but you like their music and you give up, like, come on, this is 2020. Look, life is fucking short. People are dying left and right. If COVID don't kill you, the fucking cops will, <laughs> you know, just enjoy the music you love. You know, separate this shit and calm the fuck down. Yeah, I was know? really bummed out when I saw that because it was like, well, fuck. If Ace Frehley can't be respected for having his own personal opinion, who the fuck can? You know, it, it really bummed me out to see that. And then I was like, you know what? If these guys are not Ace Frehley fans today, then they really weren't Ace Frehley fans yesterday. So what can you do? Yeah, I mean, there's there's bands that come out with crazy statements of political stuff that I don't agree with either. But that doesn't mean I got to stop enjoying their music. To me, that's it's just right. dumb. Exactly. And, and to me, if if you do, you know, 
in my opinion, you truly are a snowflake. And, and, and there are snowflakes on both sides of the coin. Totally. Don't get That's yourself right. fooled. Oh, yeah. Both, both sides of the coin. But if you can't separate that from what you enjoy, that you're the fool. You know, exactly. you're the bitch, you know, uh, just, just like what you like, you know, you don't have to, I mean, how many friends do you have in, in your personal life? You don't agree on everything, but they're still your friends. You still love them. And that's what sucks about this day and age is there's no middle ground, right. you know, it's, it's like you're this or you're that, you know, I have a lot of friends who are who are pro Trump and as much as I hate Trump and everything he stands for I've had friends like on Facebook who have, how can you still be friends with this guy when you know he stands behind Trump and I'm like motherfucker I've known this guy since I was 15 fucking years old you think I'm going to turn my back on him you know cuz of this shit you're wrong you know right. it's we don't agree He's still my friend. This asshole would take a bullet for me. You know, who the fuck are you to tell me who I can be friends with and who I can't? It, it, it's ridiculous. You know, right. we all have our beliefs, you know, yeah. and don't don't let it interfere with music. I mean, it's 2020. Look at all the shit we're denied of. I can't even go to a fucking bar in this fucking town, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> they're all fucking closed. And you live and above one. And I live above one. That's why this episode's so quiet. Uh, you know? But it's like, people can disagree and still be brothers and, and, and do all this shit. You know? It's like, don't judge Ace because of this. Judge him because the new album sucks. Don't get mad oh. about it. Like Trump, you know? God damn. <laughs> no, and, and, and I'm the liberal guy here. You know, I'm 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 saying fuck that shit. Let music be music. Let politics be politics. There's crazy people on both sides. Amen know? to that. And a shout out to Cassius for a damn awesome Ace Freely interview. Yeah, yeah, fucking I love Cassius. Great guy. So let's uh, let's move on to the next story, and this is going to be real quick, just because I purely want Ian's response. The fifth season of Sammy Hagar's Rock and Roll Trip is going to premiere on Access TV next month. Ian, what are your thoughts? Yeah, it, uh, oh, oh, the fifth season of Sammy Hagar on Access TV. Do you realize there's been, like, what Ian does drunk on Tuesdays on Access for ten years, <laughs> and nobody knows because nobody watches Access fucking TV. <laughs> God, fucking Sammy Hagar. Of all people who are not dead because of COVID or whatever diseases there are, why not this son of a bitch? Please. Please. <laughs> Just for one night, I want to masturbate in peace. Uh, you know, that this motherfucker is dead, and there's no chance of him returning uh, to my precious Van Halen. So for those keeping score... If you're going to vote for Trump, fine. But if you support Sammy Hagar, you deserve to die. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got to draw a line somewhere. You know, come on. Wow. Come on. This motherfucker. Oh, my God. Sammy Hagar. I, I, Jesus Christ. What a, what, what, what a, a no-talent piece of shit. And when people have heard, like, good Van Halen music, that you would, like, take Van Hagar as a substitute. Really? Really? Sanka is not fucking coffee. It's Sanka. Okay? 
I might be dating myself here. <laughs> you are. <laughs> but Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> fucking Sammy Hagar. That's just deplorable. You want to talk about deplorable? Fucking Sammy Hagar. That is a basket full of deplorables. You think the whole country should should unite and hate against Sammy Hagar? Uh, yeah, yeah. People with two fucking working ears should go against Sammy Hagar. Well, there's, God, there truly man. is only two things that will ever unite the human race. It's when something comes from outer space and wants to kill us all, or the fact that Van Hagar is never, ever going to compare to the awesomeness of the original Van Halen. Exactly. You think David Lee Roth live sounds bad? Try listening to Sammy Hagar's studio. Holy shit. I mean, <laughs> good lord. Good lord. I, I can't wait for the comments on this episode. <laughs> how, how, how do you... Oh, uh, yeah, Sammy Hagar, horrible. Horrible. Music has gone to shit ever since he joined Van Halen. All right. Okay, next Try story. Not, don't hold back so much next time. Okay, next story. <laughs> uh, sad news, former Ozzy Osbourne, and you're right, Heap drummer Lee Kerslake died this past, uh, actually yesterday. Very sad, very sad. 73 years old, and what's even sadder is the horrible fucking uh, story that Ozzy put out. Did you guys see that? No. Uh, right. So Ozzy put out, he goes, he will, he will live th- forever through the records he made for me. Mm. And I, I I think that's a horrible statement. That's a horrible statement. Uh, Lears like did not only play on Blizzard of Oz and Diary of Madman. Uh, he also was on many Uriah Heap albums. Yeah, you know, yeah. he did other shit. But just the way that Ozzy said it, he played on the album for me. And mm. the fucked up thing is this guy lived in poverty. Yeah. Due to losing everything he had yep. through suing Ozzy. He and Bob uh, Daisley both. Yeah, yeah, to get money back for the albums he played on for unwritten royalties. And it was mutual lawsuits, you know, between him and Bob Daisley. And, you know, I mean, let, let, let's get honest. Ozzy never reached those heights again that he did with those first two albums. And it's not just because of Randy Rhodes. You know, lyrically, you know, Bob Daisley, you know, wrote all the lyrics to that. You know, the great drumming on that. I mean, there's so many people who have no idea that Lee Kerslick and Bob Daisley played on Diary of a Madman because if you buy the album, there's a picture of Rudy Sarzo and Tommy Aldridge. Right. For the longest time, I had no idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't for a long time either. You know, I'm not, oh, yeah, I knew all along. No, I didn't. I didn't, you know. But he who has the most money makes the rules, right? And all this, you know. And then this poor man, you know, he, you know, seventy three is a long life. He died of cancer, but he died broke, and uh, you know, because of all this shit, he did just to get recognition for two albums that he played on that are multi million sellers, right? Iconic and, albums, and, and and to me. For Ozzy, and and you can't even say Ozzy, you know, it's probably Sharon did this. You know, he played on my albums, he'll live for eternity, because he played on my albums. Okay, Lee Kerslick's career was long and storied, did not begin and end with Ozzy Osbourne. 
No, but out of my generation and out of our generation, those two albums were so important. And I mean, when when I think of Lee Kerslake, I think of three words, over the mountain. Holy yeah. shit. The first time I heard that, the first time I put the LP of Diary of a Madman on and dropped the needle and that, you know, oh, Christ, man. It's so underrated. You know, when people are talking about the greatest drummers of all time, listen to the drumming on those first two Ozzy albums and then listen to all the Uriah Heap. I mean, Uriah Heap is okay. They're not the greatest band of all time, but they've got some really good stuff. But the one thing that's consistent through all those Uriah Heap albums is how awesome the drumming is on it. Yeah. Lee Kerslake, man, when people are talking about the greatest drummers of all time, he really deserves to be right up there. And I think the the case study with those first two Ozzy albums really is all you need. Yeah. And I, I I got to see Uriah Heep last year with Judas Priest, and obviously Lee yeah. wasn't playing with him. But I was blown away by how good Uriah Heep was live. I was like, I, I that's one of those bands where I need to take a deeper dive into their material because like, I was really band. really impressed. Yeah. Well, I, I I was the same way. Uh, I saw him open up for for Judas Priest, and uh, you know I went with Ralph. And Ralph was not a fan of Uriah Heep. And my, my father used to joke about all the 80s of metal I listened to. He goes, it all sounds like bad Uriah Heep to me. He loved Uriah Heep. <laughs> um, right on. Well, we went some, and they were amazing. He goes, I had no idea. And I go, no, Uriah Heep's got some great shit. Yeah. Uh, you know, but, but so many people these days, you know, they, they don't even know. They think that's all... Fucking whoever, whoever they see the picture of, that's who did it. And uh, it's sad. Like even Ozzy, you know, suppose, you know, and again, we're Ozzy in quotation marks. I haven't seen him in 39 years. So that tells me right there what you already think of the guy. You have not seen him in 39 years. Right. But uh, hey, thanks for making me look good for playing on my record. When, you know, most <laughs> Most people who did the history knows the band was supposed to be called Blizzard of Oz. Right, yeah. Like, going into it, that was the name of the band. It was an actual band. Right. It wasn't like a solo thing. When you got the three guys that are writing the songs, and then, but Ozzy's the name, you know? Ozzy's the guy that he's the star power of it. But he ain't really got a hand in writing those songs. I mean, the band really did it. Randy, Bob, and Lee wrote those songs you know and Ozzy Osbourne would come in and out of consciousness I suppose and you know add what he could but you know what that was supposed to be a band and I think that's where a lot of the real dislike of Sharon comes from is because man Bob Daisley and Lee Kerslake got screwed on that deal big time and and I think it was either Bob or Lee that gave an interview years ago that said at that point Randy Rhodes was going to leave the band too and say you know this was supposed to be a band we weren't just hired guns I mean we wrote the songs and he was going to leave the band too and they told him you know don't be dumb ride it out you know, you're going to make a name for yourself off of this, and then you can take that f- as far as you want it to go afterwards, but you can't leave, even though we just got fired. Yeah, no, it, it, it's sad, and, uh, you know, it, it's sad to see he lost his battle with cancer. I mean, again, 73, that's a good life. 
You know, yeah. I, I hope all of us make it to 73. Sure. But, uh, you know, to trivialize the man's life, like, oh, yeah, well, at least you played on my records. You know, it, it, it's sad and it shows you the lack of empathy and uh, respect that, that, that is truly held for those musicians who basically made Ozzy's career, you know, because without those two albums, what do you have? Right. Oh, no, oh, like, oh, you wrote the baseline for Perry Mason. Get the fuck out of here. If those first two Ozzy albums would have sucked, then we would not be talking about Ozzy Osbourne probably at all today. Hell no. No, I still like all the stuff that came after. I do too, but what would have came after if those first two albums would have no, sunk? No, they were they were crucial. It would have probably sunk him. You know, he would yeah. have been done. He'd probably be dead. So let's um let's go to the next. I'll just combine the next two stories. One thing, Ozzy says he hopes to be back on tour in twenty twenty two, which I think is insane. Great, and <laughs> and then Tony Iommi. Uh, recently celebrated the 50th anniversary of Paranoid. What do you think of Ozzy going back on tour in 2022? And what do you think of the Paranoid album being 50 years old? Uh, I'll take this real quick. Uh, Ozzy in 2022? Stop. Yeah. You know, he's not that good live anymore. I mean, Did you see those pictures that came out a couple weeks ago? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The gray hair? He doesn't doesn't look great. Really? I thought thought he looked really cool. That doesn't bother me. I mean, for Ozzy's age, he's not a fucking teenager. No, I'm not saying that he should look that way. I'm just saying it's time to let it go. Yeah, yeah. No, no. I think he looked great in those pictures. I would rather see Ozzy looking the way he should than, okay, dye my hair and try to pretend. It's not about this age. I'm saying he could barely walk. He's got a cane, man. He can't even move around the stage anymore. Ozzy has issues, and he's had issues for fucking years. Hey, he's got Parkinson's. You know, I saw Ozzy on his farewell tour in 92, and then I saw him like 10 times after that. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it, it's sad. I would, there's so many people that I love and respect that I'd be just fine with if you say, hey, it's time to call it a day. I can't do it. I mean, if you look at the age of a lot of these people, you know, normal people that age are retired. Right. You know, they don't work anymore. They're not on stage like a fucking teenager doing this shit. And there's nothing wrong with saying, I can't do it anymore. Well, there's, there's two problems with that, though. One is the artist, which is truly in the word the artist. It's not a job to them. It's what they love to create. They don't want to stop. And two, when you're talking about artists like Ozzy and Kiss and Motley Crue and these, but there's so many bands that are legends that are still around because unlike the old days, nobody new is stepping up to take their place in rock and roll. So what happens once Ozzy is gone? What happens once Kiss is finally gone? What happens when the day comes when Metallica is no more? Guns N' Roses, all these iconic bands. Who in rock and roll is stepping up to take their places? If nobody is, then they have to stay because there is nobody there to pass the torch to. I I get what you say about, you know, like, who, who's going to step up? But at the same time, I mean, look, look at Ozzy. Look, look at Ozzy's last album. Uh, 
you know, was pretty much written, produced, and recorded, all done by Andrew Watt. This is an Aussie, like, I have this artistic integrity. I have to get out of my system. It's more like Sharon's like, I need a flow of cash. Okay, so they hire somebody who is like, oh, he's in the current sector of music, and teenagers will buy his music because Andrew Watt, you know, as much as I think Andrew Watt did great. I mean, you listen to California Breed yeah. album he did with oh, yeah, um, yeah. Glenn Hughes. Glenn Hughes is amazing. But, unfortunately, he's more known for what he did with, uh, what's a white kid with all the fucking tattoos all over his face? Post Malone. Post Malone, okay. So this kid is all, you know, he's in the media for Post Malone. Get this kid, you know, fuck, we got Zach Wild back, but fuck him for doing a record. Uh, we'll get the Post Malone kid who has the pulse on what the teenager is like. Right. You know, which, you know, I, I mean, think about it. No kids today are like, ooh, I'm waiting for the new Ozzy record. It's us old motherfuckers who want the new Ozzy record. Right. But they're, they're catering to this audience that doesn't care about Ozzy. And it, it was so funny when they released this, you know, this song. I think it was a Post Malone song that Ozzy did, like, guest vocals on. Right. Yeah. Uh, and all these people are like, oh, I don't know who Ozzy is, but Post Malone's going to blow him up, you know, and all this <laughs> shit. It's like, that's not going to translate into Ozzy fucking solo sales. So Ozzy's not out there because he has this music he feels he has to get out that is like, oh, this is quintessential. This is paying the bill shit. And paying the bill shit sucks. Paying the bill shit is fucking psycho circus. You know, is shit like, you know, this ain't music from the heart. This is, I gotta pay rent, motherfucker. You know? And I'd rather have nothing than some pay the rent fucking music. <laughs> and and that, that last Ozzy album was fucking horrible. That was, And I listened to it all the way through to give an objective review was horrible and i look at the backing band it's it's like uh duff mckagan uh, yeah like no i i i think it was absolutely irrehensible it sounded so piecemeal like you know you send in this through your attorney i'll send in that nothing sounded like viable i i I i thought it was horrible i thought it was absolutely horrible but then again hey I haven't liked the fucking Ozzy album all the way through since fucking Ultimate Sin, so maybe I'm the 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 bad guy to ask. But I I, I thought Ordinary Man was was fucking terrible, terrible, and and a cash cow with that. Oh, it definitely Just, wasn't the greatest thing he ever did, but it wasn't all bad. It it grew on me over time. Yeah, that, that's what your mom said about the crabs I gave her. <laughs> Yeah, I knew I was setting you up for something with that, so that's why I said it. You knew. You knew. All right. All right, next story. I got one for you guys. How about this? Let's take a look at a couple of albums that just came out recently, and let's take a look at some of the albums we're expecting to come for the rest of the year, and just give me your feedback on them. So on September 4th, we got releases from Striper and Marilyn Manson. Have you guys got thoughts on either one of those albums? I actually like, uh, I like both of them. Okay. The Striper one, I, I, I can't give you an honest answer. I don't listen to that shit. 
the Marilyn Manson. I was anticipating it, but I was nervous about it because of this, you know, the new thing with Shooter Jennings. Uh, the new Marilyn Manson totally let me down. I thought it was horrible. I, didn't, I, I thought and, it was better I'm, than the I'm last a, one. I'm a huge Manson fan, and uh, I was very let down. I was very let down. And there's only, since I've become a Marilyn Manson fan, this is only one of two albums where, like, like right out the gate, I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. Uh, I didn't like Born Villain when I first heard it. I grew to like it, but it's still my least favorite until I heard this new one. Oh, my God. The new one. And then I heard this single. That sounds like some fucking Breaking Benjamin. This is some mall metal, like, wham, wham, fucking bullshit. It's wow. not my Marilyn Manson. Yeah. Very loud. The whole album, I was like, you know, I was hoping for, like, okay, I'm Marilyn Manson. I'm in my 50s now, and nobody gives a shit about me. So let me use that anger to my advantage. Yeah. You know, I would love a mix between Antichrist and and fucking Mechanical Animals, which are, you know, my two favorite fucking Manson albums. You know, give me something, but give me some fucking anger. But this new Manson album is just like, eh. Uh, so disappointed. For me, I think, man, again... I say it every single time, but Striper is still putting out the best music of their career. It seems like every album they come out with is a little bit better than the last one, especially here in these last, I guess, 10 years. You know, they've really stepped it up. And I think even The Devil Believes might be the best thing that Striper's ever done. This is a fucking awesome album. And I hate to swear when I'm talking about Striper, but I can't help it because it's really, really awesome. As far as Marilyn Manson goes, you know, I I gave it a chance. I checked it out one time. I don't know. The last good Marilyn Manson album was uh, the Hollywood album, I think. Oh, I love that one. But everything since then has been just too artsy, you know. And I thought, well, he's teaming up with Shooter Jennings. Shooter Jennings is like a country dude that has a little distortion in his riffs. Maybe... Maybe there's something there. You know, me, I'm waiting for the next Mechanical Animals album, but this ain't it. I don't know, man. Marilyn Manson was really damn cool at one time. And, you know, I think you kind of nailed it. When Marilyn Manson's angry, he's he writes damn good songs, you know. His anger comes through the band, comes through the songs, through the lyrics, all of it. And that's kind of what makes Marilyn Manson. Marilyn Manson needs, somebody needs to kick him in the balls or, or smash one of his toes or something, you know, and, and then say, write a song right now. He's not the, he's not the young pissed off Marilyn Manson that he used to be, I guess, but who is? Well, another, another thing though, you know, with Marilyn Manson, and I, I find the same thing with Alice Cooper. You know, Marilyn Manson used to be a band. Yeah. Uh, that, that had a sound that had an identity. And th- then as each, you know, release happens, you know, you lose more and more of those and you're just surrounded with yes men. And, you know, it's like, oh, I'm Marilyn Manson. That's all you need. And it's, it's missing that sound. It's missing that vitality. Um, uh, and, and the anger, you know, and I, I felt like, you know, especially 
with the climate the world's in now, like, you know, what's the world in that? Like a really angry Marilyn Manson album would sound great, you know, and you just get this, like, Akuna Matata, you know, let's all get along <laughs> fucking bullshit. Uh, very much a letdown. Very much a letdown. As far as the Striper, uh, you guys could be very right. I haven't listened to a new Striper album since fucking 1988. You, need, you really uh, should. I know you don't. You're not a fan of the lyrical content, but I, I do think uh, music musically you should give it a shot. And, and and you know what? I might try because again, thanks to Rock Pod, I got to meet Michael uh, uh, Sweet. Super nice guy. Super. I pissed next to him at a urinal in Tennessee. I mean, when is that going <laughs> to next to Michael Sweet? In a, and I'm even laughing because I'm drinking a beer. I'm smoking my fucking robo douche cigarette, you know, <laughs> pissing next to Michael Sweet, just laughing at the whole irony of it all. But what a great guy. He was so nice. Uh, yeah, I can't, I can't judge it because I haven't listened to it. But I, I'm very anti you, know, a, you should you should really give it a shot. I think musically yeah. you would like it. Well, yeah, no, I, I I should just for the musical. But then again, again, I'm not perfect. I have I have prejudices. Like your bass player is the dude from Firehouse. Like oh my god. Oh, Perry's a good. Guy. Yeah, but he Give was he was the hey, coolest hey. member of Firehouse. Hey, I listened to the fucking albums Unleashed you guys did with Perry. Uh, you know, and I was like. Oh my god! I barely made it through it. We didn't do an albums unleashed with him. We just did an interview with him. Oh well, whatever. I barely made it through it. If it wasn't for Eric Camaro, I never would have made it through that episode. <laughs> oh, you fucking asshole! Well, that's, Eric Camaro's that smooth voice, you know. That's great. But, coming, uh, coming from a I guy, like, coming from a guy who says, "Man, I was really looking forward to the new Marilyn Manson." But I just can't get down with that striper shit. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I couldn't, man. I couldn't. Oh, my God. And I heard him talk with his southern draw. I was like, oh, this is a rough episode. But, uh, hey, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Right on. But, again, I'm not, I'm not going to critique because, you know, I come in there with prejudice. But, yeah, as a Marilyn Manson fan who loves Marilyn Manson, new Marilyn Manson album sucks. Save your money. Buy something else. Well, there you have it. So then this last week on September 18th, we talked about the new Ace Fraley album, but also on that same day, I don't think there was a Target exclusive for this one, but Raven came out with a new album called Metal City. Anybody yeah. listen to that? I haven't had a chance I, to listen yet. I haven't, but I'm excited. Man, you want to talk about some cool motherfuckers. Yeah, and, and that... It, it melts my heart because that takes me back to the first fucking rock and pot expo. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you guys weren't there, you motherfuckers. I was there for the Raven after show, and and so was Ralph and Bushy and and uh, fucking VIP. Uh, oh my Scott god, Stein. what a Scott Stein! What a show that yeah. was. Those guys were so awesome. The pictures I have with those guys hanging out with them. And I know this is like, you know, I'm romanticizing. I don't know. The new album might suck. I don't know. But all I know is that night in Nashville when they played, holy shit, was that good. And it never would have happened without fucking Decibel Geek Podcast. Because none <laughs> of this shit happens without Decibel Geek Podcast. That's but, true. Uh, 
Oh my God, what a night! And Raven, they were just so cool. They were man, we hung out with them. The, the pictures, the drinking. I mean, I sat there, got drunk with Raven. How so fucking awesome. awesome is that? <laughs> so awesome. How I remember. I, I didn't even really get to talk to him much at the expo, but like you know, they came by, and of course, Michael Wagner was so super hyped to see them because yeah. he worked with them in the early days, and. And I'm like walking by trying to figure out what was the next thing I had to do. And Michael grabs me by the arm and he goes, Chris, you have to stop and meet Raven real fast. And I'm like, yep. hey, how you doing? And then I have to leave. <laughs> but it's like, it was like, I was like, where else am I going to have Michael Wagner introducing me to the guys from Raven? It was right. just so cool. Yeah, yeah, that was the same thing for me. I was walking around and Michael was like, hey, check it out. Raven's here. And I was like, Raven? And I look at my little sheet and I was like, Raven's not supposed to be here. <laughs> well, they were a last minute addition. Oh, so cool. Because like, well, well, Grimey, who you know owns Basement and Basement East, he was like, hey, Raven's coming to town. And I'm like, well, can we cope? promote and i'm like can i get them to come to the expo and he's like yeah sure if you help promote the show and that was how we worked it out but i was like fuck yeah raven's in town come on out and hang out at the expo michael was just overjoyed to see them so cool they they were so fucking awesome i mean i was i was wasted hanging out with these guys and they were just as fucked up as me and that and that was great we were we sat around and joked around you know there's like a little artist area there yeah. in the basement, and we hung out back there, and then they went on stage, and <laughs> you know, there's no barrier. You're right there in front of them, so Ralph and I are just like, yeah, going fucking nuts, singing these Raven classics, and uh, man, I mean, that's just one of those moments that, again, you would not have without Dustin Wiggy Podcast, because you would not have the Rockin' Pod without Dustin Wiggy Rock, you know. That's cool. God damn it. So I'm awesome. drunk. I love you guys. We love you too. Awesome. Okay, so then in October, there's release dates for the following albums, and these ones are pretty important. The Ellipson No Cover Covers album is supposed to be coming out in October. Got it today. Oh, you already got it. Yeah, I was a donor to the GoFundMe. Oh, nice. Yep. And your thoughts? I haven't listened to it yet. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I know what I've heard already has been pretty awesome, so I'm looking yeah, what, forward to that. what they've released so far has been great. All right, Blue Oyster Cult has, is releasing their first album in God knows since, how long. How since, long? Since uh, 98. Wow. Yeah, yeah, the new one's called The Symbol Remains. Blue Oyster Cult is back. Yes. Are you guys I, fans I, of Blue Oyster Cult? I am a huge fan of Blue Easter Cult. I have the logo tattooed on my body. Um, I thought that was a I, Vinnie Vincent tattoo. Yeah, no, no, it's a different onk. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that that is a band I hope to interview. I don't know if it's going to work out because of the demise of my uh, last podcast. Because Toomey was the I, one with the actual connections. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toomey's got all the fucking connections. Toomey, Toomey knows everybody. Toomey broke uh, up with me, but I'm hoping he passes on my email to Blue Oyster Cult. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, Toomey basically said, hey, I'm going to fuck other people, but I'm still going to fuck you too. And then he said, out of a podcast. Um, but uh, <laughs> uh, who knows what will happen. The two songs that I heard off of the new Blue Oyster Cult album um, – 
I like them, but it doesn't sound like Blue Oyster Cult to me. It's it's hmm. it's it's modern. I mean, like I'm familiar with the voices. You know, like one is an Eric Bloom song. You know, one is a Buck Dharma song. I get that out of it, but it doesn't have that classic like creepy Blue Oyster Cult vibe to me. Um, but I would love to hear the whole album, and I hope to get to interview them. Uh, you know, so I can tell them yo mama jokes, but <laughs> you never you never know what'll happen. Uh, I'm excited about that one, but the bar is set low. It's, it's kind of it tough like that with a band like that. Like Blue Oyster Cult to me was something, and I refer to this as the Decibel Geek era because that was something I actually got into after we started the show. And I think from I've and I've got a pretty good Blue Oyster Cult collection now at this point, but I think every CD I've got has at least got three songs on it that are really, really good. But it's tough when a band hasn't come out with an album in so long. It's hard to really have great expectations for it. Yeah, I hear you. Well, let me let me ask Ian this, because I don't know a lot about Blue Oyster Cult, but like there's like kind of a mystical vibe around them, and obviously you know don't fear the reaper is kind of a got a got a weird vibe to it. Were they like a? I'm not gonna say satanic, but were they were were they trying to kind of give off an evil vibe in the early days? If you listen to some of the lyrics, you know, or like the Agents of Fortune album, you know, there's a it's a little bit more than the mainstream rock stuff that was coming out at the time. Were they trying to go for that vibe? Um. Well. It's a weird mix with Blue Oyster Cult because they were an amalgamation of the band and their producers slash Bengali uh, slash leader Sandy Perlman uh, would write a lot of the lyrics. Um, You know, they had their own groove going on, but management had a lot to do with, you know, the direction they were going and what they were doing. And... You lost that in the later years. Like, once the original lineup broke up, it got splintered. And to me, didn't have that kind of Blue Oyster Cult sound. Even, I mean, I'm a huge, huge fan. But they were kind of manufactured in a way, but not like in a boy band kind of manufactured. But it was like, it was a, a sum of all the parts. You know, their manager, their producer. Everybody had a hand in what they were doing and the direction they went into, at least in the seventies and early eighties. Right. But, uh, but I, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I, I love these guys. I mean, they mean a lot to me and uh, man, I'll tell you what, if I can get to do an interview with them, it would be amazing because it'll probably get cut off halfway through because I'm going to be me. <laughs> you know? And I'll say the shit I'm going to say, but Oh my, what a crescendo that would be. Uh, with Josh Toomey, if he could set me up with that Blue Oyster Cold interview. Here's the one that I'm most looking forward to in October. It's the new release from Every Mother's Nightmare, Resurrect the Faithful. That one's coming yeah. out on High Vol Music, our old friends, and it's released on the 23rd of October, but you can pre-order it right now on emnrocks.com. And you know what? Every Mother's Nightmare, I talked about like the Decibel Geek era. I wasn't really into that band. They just never came across my radar when I was younger. 
But as I got older and started doing this show and started really digging into different music, Every Mother's Nightmare has become one of my very favorite bands, and I'm really looking forward to this new album. I actually got it. I actually got it this week, and I've been listening to it. It's actually it's might be the best thing they've done. It's it's pretty it's pretty diverse compared to what they've done before. I will say, you know, Rick Rule's vocals definitely are an acquired taste because it's very southern right you know you know basically redneck vocals i dig but, it though uh, you know it's so unique yeah but musically actually they've actually kind of gone up a notch i wasn't crazy about the last couple of releases but this one actually is really good i was actually pretty surprised by it nice i, I love to check it out i bought their album back in the day uh, with love because- love will make you blind Oh my God! Did I love that fucking song? It was a great power power ballad yeah. back in the day. And, and, and I am not the ballad guy. I hate fuck ballads. I hate all this shit. But God damn, did I love love can make you blind? Yeah, yeah, you. <laughs> you know. And, uh, oh my God! It, but when I bought the CD, I was like, "This is some of the worst shit I've ever heard." I mean, this it was a really bad album. Um, but I'm like, man, I'm, I'll give him another chance. I mean, cause one, you know, a band you brought my attention to wild side, <laughs> when wild side came out, I was like, Oh, wh- you know, what a bunch of pussies. Look at this shit. And then I went back and listened to the album and even Ralph, you know, was like, this is a pretty good fucking album. Yeah. And when we met him at rock and pod, unfortunately we didn't get a chance to interview him, but we were like, Damn. You know, this was a pretty good fucking album. And the drummer, we met the drummer and the lead singer, thanks to you guys at Rockin' Pod. And the drummer's like, these are the guys I'm telling you about. He goes, they bust our fucking balls, but they were spot on. We got to talk to these guys. And unfortunately, because how you guys know how it works at Rockin' Pod and schedules and everything, it didn't work out. But I was like, oh, my God, they're so awesome. So I was hoping with that same thing with, Every Mother's Nightmare, but I don't know. Like, you know, it's like I wrote off other mother, Every Mother's Nightmare, and I did the same thing with uh, Wild Side, but Wild Side was actually good. But re listened to Every Mother's Nightmare, I was like, oh, what a piece of shit. Wow. But Love Can Make You Blind, damn good song. They actually re recorded it for this record. Oh, oh, I bet it sucks. Uh, I'm not as crazy about it as the, the original wow. version, but uh, well, well, I, I mean, I mean, I mean, seriously, like, what are you going to add to it now? Well, you, can, you you can't capture yeah. you can't capture lightning in a bottle twice, you know. Yeah, I, like I don't I don't see a point in it. Like the original version's fine the way it is, but and honestly, I listen to everything else before I listen to the re-record of that. But there's there's actually really good stuff on this new one. It was actually. It's the best thing I think they've done since back in the day. So I uh, and I actually provided a quote for their uh, their press release. So nice. uh, I was happy for that. But uh, but yeah, See, it's actually I, really I good like record. Every Mother's uh, Nightmare. I liked them back in the day. I liked the last album they came out with, and I'm really looking forward to this one too. So screw you guys. Well, I and I got to see them. Uh, I got to see them rehearse in Bellevue, Tennessee, when I was in junior high school. They oh, came really? up to Belt. They came up to Bellevue to rehearse for a show they're playing in Nashville, and I hung out in a house in a basement and watched them rehearse. They probably don't remember that, but I do. 
Nice. <laughs> That's know awesome. What you gonna say? Oh man. So there you go. Every Mother's Nightmare's got new music coming out. Is anybody looking forward to the new Tommy Lee album? No. Good God, no. <laughs> no. Oh, my God. Have Why? you heard what's been released so far? <sighs> you know, I really love Tommy Lee and Motley Crue. I really do. You know, really? awesome drummer. Why don't he just stop the rap stuff and maybe just do an instrumental drum album? I think I'd he be more excited about that. He try. He's trying to be popular, and that's why he's doing this shit that he's doing now. Well, Tommy Lee's always done that. Methods of Mayhem, all that. It all sucked. Yep. This is worse than Methods of Mayhem. Hard to imagine. Here's but some- he's got a 12-inch cock, so I'll give, I'll give him credit for that. Yeah, I don't know what more I can add to his 12-inch cock, but his musical ability is fucking horrible. And I've said this time and time again. I really don't think he's that good a fucking drummer. You know, I think he is, uh, you know, he has a personality, like Keith Moon. You know, like Keith Moon, you know, you're known for being the wild man. You're known for doing this. Is it a case of the the it factor overplaying skills again yeah yeah i i don't i don't think his skills are that that fucking great i mean you listen to you know like try to compare tommy lee to a fucking you know a a john bonham or a neil Peart or you know anything like that he doesn't have that but what he have he has is a charisma he has a larger than life you know like his charisma is like his cock (laughs) <laughs> large life, larger than most people. Like people know him for that, you know. He's this tall, skinny guy with a huge cock that could drive a boat. But I mean, I mean, I mean, if you listen to the drums, honestly, honestly, and you listen to other like incredible drum players, to me, he's he's a fucking Bobby Blotzer. Oh, he can no, no he's he, better than Blotzer. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I find him a Bobby Blotzer. What he does is I gotta, man. I disagree with that so well, much. Okay. Well, that, that that's fine. That's fine. You guys disagree. I'm saying to me, he, he fits the groove. But to me, he does not change the sound of drums like like John Bonham, like fucking Neil Peart. Okay. Uh, well, he's you not know. on that level. Well, I mean, no. yeah, John Bonham I, and Neil Peart are some of the greatest of all time, but. What's the fucking food Fighter motherfucker? I don't even think he's on that level. I mean, I really don't, but I think he has a charisma. Like, okay, I'm Tommy Lee. I'm this. It's it's like Kiss. Kiss is not a great band, but, you know, they're like, okay, because we dress in makeup, we're this. But if Kiss didn't have makeup, they would be that. To me, that's what Tommy Lee is. He's not that fucking big a deal. Wow. See, I I disagree with that on so many fronts. I mean, I think if you listen to the old Motley Crue albums all the way through, Tommy Lee is adding so much to that. I mean, Tommy Lee is a fucking awesome drummer. Yeah, he's a big mouth, and yeah, he says dumb stuff, and yes, he definitely has the it factor, and like you said, he is loaded with charisma, but... You can't take away from the guy's drumming abilities, especially when you look at the kick-ass Motley Crue music and know that that's him helping create that. You know, that's that's yeah. something authentic and real. 
you can't take. But I mean, the rapping and all that bullshit. Yeah, you know that I don't get. But you can't take away from Tommy Lee as a drummer. All right. Well, I mean, have you seen Motley Crue in the last couple of tours when he does his drum solo and it's all like rap shit and like you know plugged in like automatic drumming? I mean, it's really. I don't think you can base it off of those. Yeah, tours, no, though. that sucks. <laughs> totally, I agree. Yeah, that yeah, totally yeah, but, sucks. But what I'm saying though, what I'm saying though, he's supposed to be a drummer, right? This is supposed to be him like going out and I'm doing all this, and it's all pre-programmed. You, you know, it, it's worse than Peter Chris on the fucking farewell tour. You know, it's it's you know he hits one thing and then you hear another sound, and he doesn't even like hard rock or heavy metal. Yeah, you know, you know li- I've got that vibe. I've got the vibe on that for a long time where Tommy Lee isn't a big fan of Motley Crue, you know? But when you come down to it, if you put in the first Motley Crue album, you put in Shout at the Devil, even Dr. Feelgood, the drumming on those al- albums is awesome. But I think Tommy Lee's kind of misguided by the fact that he's uh, become a celebrity beyond Motley Crue, beyond the band, beyond being a drummer, you know? And so he uh, feels like he's got to chase that trend and try to figure out what's hip and what's cool because Tommy Lee's supposed to be hip and cool. So you follow these trends and you do these things, but... The thing that everybody really, truly loves Tommy Lee for is the fact that he's a member of Motley Crue, he's a kick-ass, awesome drummer, and he's got a giant penis. And with all <laughs> those three things, I mean, who cares about anything else? It's kind of like what you just said about him is like what most people feel about Peter Chris. He was in Kiss, and he wore a cat's makeup. Yeah, yeah, he had a giant penis too, right? <laughs> yeah, just ask Ace Fraley. Yeah, uh, but you know what I mean. It goes back to the same thing. It's like there's nothing they did that Troy Lucetta couldn't do. You know that any of these other drummers, you know, they didn't change the sound of drums, but they they were good looking guys. You know who did this? You know, it's I'm sorry. They're to me, they're not trend setting drummers. They had other things that made them stand out that make you go, yeah, okay, yeah, this guy plays on a roller coaster, and maybe Ricky Rocket doesn't, but I bet you Ricky Rocket could probably play anything that fucking Tommy Lee plays. Nah, nah, I think you're going a little far there. You, you know what I mean? It's, it's not – he's he's not a drummer's drummer. I mean, let's get real. I don't know, the, the, but the 94 album, I think, definitely showed his skill. Yeah. You have to give, you have to give him that. Well, and so yeah. did so did Shout at the Devil. Yeah. So we need, yeah. To put, we need to put a poll up on the Decibel Geek fan page of his yeah. Tommy Lee overrated. Yeah, is okay, Tommy okay, Lee an awesome okay. drummer of all time or Saints, not? Saints of Los Angeles. I think that shows what Tommy Lee can do, too. Yeah, but you, there's, there's damn good moments on that, too. too. Yeah, but what I'm saying, he's not, he's not, he didn't change the way drums sound. He's not John fucking Bond. No, but he's every not, drummer doesn't need to be that way, Ian. No, but what I'm saying is he's more flash than what he is talent. Hmm. I don't and, know and, about and, that. And really, you, about you that. can't agree with me. I mean, there's so many, like, other, oh, uh, you telling me Tommy Lee's better than Eric Carr? Eric Carr was solid as fuck. Okay, but Eric Carr wasn't all flash the same way fucking Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee is all flash. It's all like, 
yeah, yeah. It's it's like me. I'm not a good podcaster, but I'll throw on a good fucking mom and dick joke here to throw you off to make you think I'm better than what I am. <laughs> well, when you put it that way, I guess I do kind of understand. Thank you. Podcasting. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm 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 sorry. Even Fred Curry, who is not even good enough to be on a Cinderella album, is a solid drummer. And I'm not saying Tommy Lee's not a solid drummer. I'm just saying he's he's overrated because of who he is. Wow. Interesting. You know? It's actually a good point. I mean, because, like, I don't know, if you look at the, the quote-unquote hairband era, it's like, as far as, like, you know, breaking new ground, it was more of a guitar era than a drum era. So, like, I mean, he was solid for what he did in the 80s, but... I, I don't know that he really broke any new ground, but he was great for exactly. what he did. Hey, Alan Schwartzberg played on fucking Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Why do you have you such know? an obsession with Alan Schwartzberg? He'll never hey, let it I, go. <laughs> I got a big thing for Jew drummers, you know, and then, then you let me know he played for Jimi Hendrix. I had no idea. And I'm quite bay. All right. Well, let's get, gone off the rail. Yeah, let's get off of Tommy Lee. Talk about a couple more albums that are supposed to be coming out in October. Armored Saint, Punching the Sky. You guys looking forward to that? I love the single that I've heard so far. I haven't heard it yet. I want to hear it. It's good. Anytime Armored Saint's coming out with something new, you can count me in on that. Oh, yeah. Big, big John Bush fan. I love John Bush. I was very late to the game with Armored Saint. Yeah, me too. I became a fan of John Bush once he was in Anthrax, and then once he was in Anthrax, then it was like, wow, I got to go back and check out this other band that he used to be in. And you know what? In some ways, I liked Armored Saint better than I liked the stuff that he was doing with Anthrax. Well, that That's a tough call because I love what he did with Anthrax, but I was the same way as you. I used to be a bitch back in the day. Like, if you weren't on, on MTV or you weren't on, you know, a major label, I didn't have time for you because there must be something wrong with you, you know? So I kind of always gave armor and saying, I was like, yeah, you were on Chrysalis, you know, Jethro Toll was on Chrysalis. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so was Benny Benz Innovation. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I'm like, get the fuck out of here, you know? But, uh, Man, you know, you know, Ralph really hit me on to Armored Saint, and I was like, man, those guys kick ass. Yeah, and I've yeah. always loved John Bush's vocals. Yeah, and 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 what a fucking you know lineup in that band. You know, you got you got John Bush on vocals, you got Joey Vera on bass. Who Fuck yeah, I love not not only what Joey Vera's done with them, but you know, he was in Anthrax for a hot second. He's still with uh, Fate's Warning. He's done some amazing yeah. with Fate's Warning uh, and all this shit. I mean, just such a good fucking band that I totally overlooked for all the wrong reasons. Well, you mentioned Fate's Warning. Something I, Aaron, I don't even think I've told you about this, but uh, the current lead guitarist in Anthrax, Jonathan Danaeus, who used to be in Fate's Warning, is an avid listener of Decibel Geek now. Oh, nice. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He, because uh, he was in a band that I'm a huge fan of, uh, Shadows Fall. Oh, okay, cool. Well, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he, he loves the uh, albums unleashed episodes. Nice, awesome. Yep. Oh man, what's up, you dude? Talk about, you want to talk about feeling embarrassed? So fucking Toomey sets me up 
with an interview with Overkill. So I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is going to be awesome. So I meet everybody from Overkill, and they're all totally fucking awesome. And then I meet their drummer, Jason Bittner. Oh, he's who, awesome. Oh, what a fucking drummer. Yeah. And he was he was in Shadows Fall as well. That's right. And I told him about, like, hey, I was supposed to go see you guys because Shadows Fall opened up for um, uh, Damage Plan mm-hmm. on that you know that tour where where Dimebag got killed. I was like, I was going to go to that show, but you know it was on a Thursday and I had to work. And I was like, I never got to see uh, uh, you know Shadows Fall. He goes, Well, you only had eight fucking other years to go see us. And I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Oh shit! I was like, you know, like everybody else was nice to me, and he totally called me out. Like, go fuck yourself, fat boy. You know, like, oh man, I'm like. Oh shit, he's got me there. Can you oh, imagine yeah. how bad that must suck oh. for bands to hear from guys like us now and be like, "Hey, I discovered your band last year, and I never knew about you guys when I was younger, but you guys were fucking awesome." And it's like, "Yeah, gee, great, thanks." Now that the band's been dead for fifteen years, your adulation yeah. is really appreciated. <laughs> oh yeah, made, made me feel like fucking total shit. But, you know, I kind of took it in stride. You know, you know, he's a New Yorker. He gave me that whole New Yorker attitude. I was like, all right, well, yeah. fuck you, too. But, uh, you know, I still love fucking Shadows Fall, and I, I, I love uh, Overkill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was blown away to hear Jonathan Denaeus. I was like, wow, you're actually – you listen to the show? He's like, oh, yeah. He's like, I listen to the uh, Albums Unleashed shows, and I'm hooked. I was like, that's awesome, man. That is cool. Man, Awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure he's like, I only listen to the episodes where Ralph Vieira guests on. You know, <laughs> those are good ones. Yeah, those are good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's another one coming out in October. And I'm curious to know how you guys are feeling about this band because they've been around for a while. They got a new one coming out in October, an album called Blood and Stone. And I'm talking about the band Seven Dust. Do you guys Seven Dust fans? Oh, yeah. No, <laughs> you're uh, not even. Well, well, well. I I shouldn't say no. Is like I don't hate Seven Dust. Don't hate them at all. They had a couple songs back in the day, you know, on the radio. Uh, that I was like, okay, that's a good song. But I never had one like, okay, I'm I'm a Seven Dust guy, right? You know, or I'm a Seven Dust fan. So I don't have an opinion. Um, you know, I'm not going to sit here and shit on Seven Dust, but they never like totally grabbed me. I'm I'm just excited to the fact that they have the the chutzpah to still be going around this right. day and age. Yeah, you know if they're if they're still making records, good for them, man. I, I'm happy for them. I'm not hating on them. What I heard from them was nothing that made me like, okay, I you know you're you're Sammy Hagar bullshit. No. They they were good for what they were. It wasn't my bag, but the fact that it's fucking twenty twenty and they're still going at it, good for them. I I didn't hate them. I, almost, I think that's I, cool too. I've gotten more into them, and this is like this is related to a side gig that I have. I do a, a, a I do production for a show called uh, Good <clears throat> Company with Bowling, and the, it's a YouTube show that I wanted. I help do the audio version of that show for um, extra cash, but. Uh, They've had the the host of that show is good friends of Morgan Rose from Seven Dust, and they he's had him on several times, 
and they've talked about the history of the band and like and I'll admit Seven Dust the first album the I think it was just self-titled I was obsessed with that record I love that fucking record and then they did the second album Home with actually Toby Wright a good friend of ours producing yeah. love and Toby loved, and I love Toby's work on that record the songs were not quite as good as they were on the first record the first record was produced by JJ French who was their manager from Twisted Sister and right. that I don't think they've ever really equaled up to that first record. That first record was all the inspiration and like the real energy of that, you know, original version of the band. Right. But um, you know, Scott, the guy that I work for for the his for the side podcast I do, he's had Morgan on, on several times and they've gone through the history of the band and I so I've gotten to, I've kind of forced myself to listen to more of their stuff and uh like there's an album called All I See Is War that is really good. And uh, so it's one of those things where I'm, I'm wanting to check out more of their stuff just from their story. So I'm actually I'm, – I'm very open to it. Um, I respect the hell out of them because it's one of those bands where they've kind of gotten – I'm not going to say stuck in a rut, but they kind of get labeled into a certain area and they can only go so far with it. So you know, my I have massive respect for them for continuing to try to soldier on through the face of everything, but uh, – no, I, I have a lot of respect for Seven Dust. I, I need to listen to the, I'm excited to hear the new record. But uh yeah, to this day I still think the first record's the best thing they've ever done. Yeah, I've always been a good fan of Seven Dust myself. I remember seeing them play a show in central Wisconsin years ago and there wasn't a lot of people there, but it was a pretty big deal and they just killed it. It was like they were yeah. playing to Madison Square Garden, even though they were yeah. playing a little hockey arena in a small town in the middle of Wisconsin. And that band's always had my respect. Their music, you know, it's heavy, hard rock, you know, and there's always something on a Seven Dust album that I like. I may not always like the whole thing, but from everything I've heard, there's always something on a Seven Dust album that I like. So, yeah, me too. I'm looking forward to the new one, and it, it is pretty cool that after all these years, you know, it's a band like that that's, you know, maybe not been billion dollar band but they've got enough to keep themselves mm -hmm. going all these years enough people love that band to keep them alive and you know what there's a million bands well maybe not a million there's there's a lot of bands that i like that are just popular enough to stay alive the ugly yeah. kid joes the enough's enoughs and seven dust really falls into that and there's something special about those bands that never made it huge didn't make millions of dollars but just had enough to keep them going i will say i i saw them uh, at a place that's not even around in nashville anymore called city hall and it was a, a line. I was covering a local rock local rock website slash blog called NashvilleRock.net, and I was covering the band. The opening band was called Legion. It was a local band, and then Seven Dust came on, and then Stained, who was really big at the time, came on, and Seven Dust blew them off the stage. But uh, it was a memorable night for me because I got to smoke weed with the guys in Seven Dust before they went on stage. Yeah, it was nice. great. <laughs> well. I'll tell you what, I got a story, and this one is thanks to Aaron Camaro, because he got me to give a chance to an album I never would have gave a chance to, and that is The Smashing Pumpkins. The Smashing mm -hmm. Pumpkins have a new album coming out, and a few years ago they put out an album, and I was I was listening to a, 
Decibel Geek episode where Camaro's like, hey, well, check out this song. You know, check out that. He goes, I'm not a huge Pumpkins fan, but check out this song. And it was like Anonima or Anonema or whatever. Uh, Camaro, help me out there if you can remember. I don't remember, but, it, but what I do remember is you probably wanted to hear it because Tommy Lee played drums on it. No, it wasn't that one. Oh. That song sucked. <laughs> but there, there was another song on that album where Camaro's like, well, check this one out. I, I, I think this one's pretty good. And I listened to it because of the Decibel Geek podcast. I was like, okay, that's a pretty good song. That's that, that's not bad. And I've always had this kind of love-hate thing with, with the Pumpkins because yeah. I'm a Chicago guy. I come from Chicago. You know, the same time they were coming up, you know, was was my childhood in Chicago. Um, so I was like, all right, I'll give it a chance. And uh, but a lot of times they just let me down. But Camaro pointed out in a in a Decibel Geek episode, he's like, check this song out. And I wish I could remember the name of the song, but it was really good. But the rest of the album fucking sucked. Yeah, that's sucked. Smashing Pumpkins for you. Sucked hard. They'll come out with an album that you find one song that is just mind-blowingly good. Like, the one song is so freaking awesome. It's not a single. It's a deep cut. The rest of the album sucks. But that one song is just unbelievably good. That's the Smashing Pumpkins. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, that that fucking, the world is a vampire, you know. Like, that song was fucking awesome. Yeah. The rest of that album fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. You know? But, you know, like like what Camaro was trying to justify fucking uh, Tommy Lee, like Jimmy Chamberlain is an actual awesome fucking drummer. Yeah. Now, that's a guy that's an awesome drummer, but he's stuck in the shitty fucking band. But, I mean, that is a fucking drummer's drummer. But anyway, I heard these like two new clips from the new Smashing Pumpkins album. Wow, what a piece of shit, you know. Really? And I'm like I'm like the weird Pumpkins fan, like I love Gish, you know, but I was right. a Chicago kid when Gish came out, you know, and I was like, "Oh, cool, we got a good band that came out of Chicago because the last one was Sticks and we're like, fuck, you know." Um uh, so then, then pumpkins come out, you know, and then then fucking Siamese Dream comes out. I'm like, eh, yeah, fuck all that shit. But you know, Camaro's a Midwest guy like me. He he loves the Midwest shit. You know, we're like, yeah, okay, I get that. But the the two new songs off the new Smashing Pumpkins album is fucking horrible, horrible. And I liked uh, the techno album they did. I forget what the fuck it was called. Um, uh, was it Adore? Adore, yeah. I liked Adore. But these songs are like that, but with absolutely zero fucking balls. Hmm. These songs sound nothing like classic pumpkins at all. Have you heard these songs, Camaro? No, but talking about like huge grunge bands that are still coming out with albums in the year 2020, have you guys heard any of the new Pearl Jam? mm I, I I love that title track, the the one, and I love it because because Senzak made an awesome joke about it. He made an awesome joke that summed it up. He goes, he goes, this is the best Talking Heads song I've ever heard. Oh, you're talking about Giga Gigaton or whatever? Yeah, Gigaton. Yeah. That's the name. Oh of yeah, 
Hey, I hate Pearl Jam. I love that fucking song. That but song it is. sucks. What are you talking about? Oh, I love it, but to me, I love Talking Heads, and that to me, that's a Talking Heads song. Yeah, but it's it's a, a, it's a lame attempt at sounding like Talking Heads. Yeah, but, so, yeah, but, but I heard I, I, took, I heard another song by them called uh, Super Moon Wolf Blood or something like that, and it's really badass. It's got a ripping guitar solo in it. I don't know. Pearl, Pearl Jam's a, a weird band for me. Like, I love all the side projects of Pearl Jam. Like, I love uh, what's the band that they were before they became Pearl Jam? Uh, Mother Love Bone. Oh, yeah. Mother Lo- I love Mother Love Bone. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. I love, I love Brad. That's a side project of uh, the guitar player. Uh, I, I, oh, I think it's anything better that I just can't stand. But, uh, when I heard that new, uh, you know, that Talking Head song, I was like, this is fucking cool. <laughs> and then I listened to the rest of the album. I was like, oh, this sucks. Yeah, this is Pearl Jam. Sometimes they can write a melody, but it's just when they get into that, like, can't find a better man. You know, you know yeah. when it's like those songs written from a girl's perspective, I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I just don't care. I don't care. Maybe, maybe if you're this whiny, he should beat you. I don't know. Uh, you know, just not good. Not I like, good. I, I like I, I those. I want some goddamn rock and roll. Yeah, I like those bands when they let the guitars take over and don't let the yeah. art take over. Just, just like what would what would happen if Pearl Jam or Smashing Pumpkins were a hard rock band? And when they do something like that, it's like, man, I wish you guys were hard rock bands all the time instead of all this artsy shit mixed in. Oh yeah, like I, I I would advise to a lot of people that like hate Smashing Pumpkins, go listen to Gish, their first album. Yeah, because yeah, Gish is there, a good there, there, there is some amazing hard rock, you know, some progressive shit on there. There's some really cool shit on there, uh, you know, that's not like what you would come to know from Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, but uh, I don't know, shit happens. Those are some of the bands that have release dates coming up for the end of the year. There's a few more mixed in there, but there's some questionable ones. Like Wolf Hoffman said last year to expect a new Accept album in 2020. Where's that? Well, they put a new single out. Do they got the new single out now? Yeah, it's called The Undertaker, I think. Nice. I'm going to have to check that out. Yep. I, I I have not heard that yet. Uh but I'm a big fan of what uh, Except has done recently. Yeah, you know, with with uh, what's his name from TT Quick on vocals, Mark Tornello. Mark Tornello. Uh, those last four albums they've done with him. I'm sorry, it sounds like it's Except to me. I mean, it sounds good. I mean, it, it's good meat and potatoes, fucking heavy metal. Yeah, and uh, one yeah, Udo just Udo, Udo just released something with uh, Peter Baltus on it. Even though Peter lied oh, to wow. me when I helped uh, I judge the air guitar competition with him, and he said he wasn't working with Uno when I pressed him on it. But anyway, it's cool. Well, maybe he wasn't at the time, but he is now, and that's <laughs> got to be awesome, right? He had just got back from Germany, so he totally lied. To oh. me. <laughs> <laughs> He ain't creative know, like uh, Mike Frazier and be like, there's something wrong yeah, with the line. I was getting no scoop. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, I love except. I mean, 
yeah, it, it's weird. It's not except without Udo to a certain extent. But what Tornello's done, I ain't complaining because he didn't change the sound of except. I mean, no. except to me, it still sounds like except. You know, it's not right. like Sammy Hagar where all of a sudden, okay, now we're singing about love and all this bullshit, you know. It was still accept. No, the spirit uh, of accept definitely is still alive. I mean, yeah, the band sounds a little bit different because Udo and Mark are, I mean, they're both great singers in their own right, but they're both a little different. You know, Mark's an American guy. Udo's from Germany, you know, so obviously the vocals are going to be a little bit different. And even if, like, except if you looked at, if you said, like, okay, that was except Mark 1 and this is except Mark 2, those bands are both so damn good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I th- I think with, with uh, Tornello, it sounds more like except than like you know when they did Eat the Heat, you know with the with that other guy. Oh yeah, you that know, was a they, weird album. Well, yeah, all of a sudden they're cock rock. Like <laughs> I no, like that uh, album a lot though. <laughs> no, there is some good stuff on that. Uh, Generation Clash is a cool song. Hey, anything uh, Wolf, uh, any song that Wolf Hoffman on guitar is got to be at least somewhat cool. Uh, <laughs> uh. All right, well, moving on from that, you know, Alice Cooper said Detroit Stories was finished back in May. Where's that? It's probably waiting until it sells better. Maybe the same thing with Iron Maiden. They were supposed to release their 17th studio album in 2020. I haven't heard nothing about that lately. Eh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait for both of them. I mean, with Alice Cooper, God damn, do I love Alice Cooper. Yeah. I fucking love Alice Cooper. But we're talking about Alice Cooper's solo. And then we're talking about Alice Cooper's solo with Ezrin, you know, in this day and age. Uh, I'd rather see him work with anybody else than Ezrin because I don't think Ezrin understands. Ezrin never respected the original Alice Cooper band. And that, to me, that's my era, is the real Alice Cooper band. Alice Cooper, after the original band, is spotty. And I, I know you guys, you know, you have your thing with Dick Wagner and you love him and you respect him and stuff. That's all great. But none of that shit holds a candle to the original Alice Cooper band. That being said, the last album he put out with the original Alice Cooper band, those those songs sucked. Yeah. Oh, my God, did they suck. And I was like, I was waiting. I was like, okay, here we go. But, again, look at the writing credits. Because back in the day, that shit was written with Mike Bruce. Mike Bruce did not have the writing credits on those newer songs. See, I wondered about that when that came out because when yeah. it had the bonus tracks on there with the original Alice Cooper band, yeah. and honestly, I skipped right to those songs. I put that second yeah. disc in, and that was the first thing I wanted to hear. Oh, and I was oh, yeah. highly, I, highly I disappointed those, by it. Those songs were terrible. They, they, they were, they were ter- bad. They had nothing. I, I mean. The original songs on that album weren't that great on a paranormal. There were but then a few. You go to Alice there Cooper, were a few that were you know, really the original good. Ones like, oh god, this is even worse. See, and I thought I those were going to be my I favorites, and they were my least favorites. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what's going on there. I don't know. Is it like you know? It does Michael Bruce not have it anymore to 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 co-wrote 
co-write those anthems? Or is it like, did they hide the best shit to make it look like Alice doesn't need him? I, I don't know. I mean, they Michael Bruce had released like a teaser because he's doing a Michael Bruce band thing next year. Right on. And, and I really enjoyed what I heard on that. So I don't know if it's Alice holding him back or Ezrin holding him back. But it's... Yeah, I mean, I, it wasn't. I wasn't blown away by that either. And even, like you said, Ian, even the original stuff on Paranormal, for the most part, I wasn't crazy about. There was maybe two songs that I, that, that were really keepers for as far as my personal playlist goes. Two or three, so, yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm always pulling for fucking Alice. I love yeah. Alice Cooper. I love him to death. I, you know, I love all eras, but to me. You know, there's the Alice Cooper band, and then there's everything else. You know, and as much as I, I don't want to discredit him, I, I think always the weak link was Glenn Buxton. Uh, as far as writing, I would say. Not as far as performing, but writing. Uh, you know, it was always about Alice and Michael Bruce. Right. So I could totally see like the rest, you know, the original band get together and I would love to see them with Ryan Roxy or, or whoever's in Alice's band because Alice's like live band right now is solid as fuck. A really good like Michael Bruce written song. Yeah. Done by Alice and a mixture, you know, I I want to hear Dennis Dunaway. I want to hear um uh, Neil Smith, oh my God, I love Neil Smith. Well, you know, Aaron and I, we we were lucky enough to to go to the T-Pack here in Nashville, and it was like it was Alice's current band through the whole set, and then at the end of the show, Neil Smith, um, Dennis Dunaway, and Michael Bruce came out, and they they did like was it like three or four songs, Aaron? Hell yeah, that was they awesome. Sound? They sounded fucking amazing. Oh, it was so good. Oh man, I mean that's just. You know, that that's the shit I was brought up on, and, you know, I know we all love Alice Cooper, you know, but we have different affinities of what's our favorite. I know you guys are partial to his solo stuff, and I'm not, but... I think Aaron likes the original band See, more. I, you game. know, with me, I love it all, man, the, all the way through. I think my least favorite Alice Cooper stuff is like his 80s stuff that came out that was a little too cheesy for me. The first couple Alice Cooper band albums, eh, they're all right. But, man, once once they hit their stride, man, that Alice Cooper band was out of this world. But then what he went on to do with Welcome to My Nightmare and Beyond, I think it was all really good. I love it all. There's there's parts of everything throughout his whole career that I love. Well, no, I I mean, I I hear you there. To me, you know, like... Sure, Alice Cooper, and I know a lot of people don't like I love easy action. To me, like, real Alice Cooper is no. easy action through uh, fucking muscle love. I mean, to me, that is just like, wow. You know, and from there on out, I mean, I know you, you guys get excited about the, the fucking Dick Wagner shit. And it, while I love, Dick, I love Dick Wagner as a guitar player, I mean, I love what Dick Wagner did, not only with Alice Cooper, but with Lou Reed. I mean, I'm a huge Lou Reed fan, and, and, and Dick Wagner did a lot with him. And Dick the Wagner live can album, only improve Lou Reed. Oh, yeah. The live album that Dick Wagner did with fucking Lou Reed is amazing. Oh, Berlin. I mean, uh, well, not no, no, not only Ber- Berlin, but the, but the album after that, the live album. Uh, 
I mean, it was Dick Wagner and uh, what's the other guy that played with Alice Steve Cooper? Hunter. Oh yeah, yeah, Steve Hunter. I, I mean that that backup band. I mean, basically, uh, they left uh, Lou Reed and went to Alice Cooper. Yeah, they were all Bob Ezrin's guys. Right. I, I mean, just phenomenal musicians. But if you look at original songs, though, uh, it just doesn't. The original Alice Cooper band to me is everything. And after that, it's like, it's uh, Hollywood Squares, Alice Cooper. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and, and hey, there's songs I love off those lost albums that you guys like. And I know you don't like. Like, I love uh, the one from uh, Class of 1984. Take a look at my face. Oh, Zipper. Zipper catches skin. Oh my god, I I love love that that fucking song. I love that song. But I'll never forget, like, when I went with my dad, the first rock concert I ever saw, ever saw, was Alice Cooper and Tesla, 1987, Peoria, Illinois. Um, Nice. It was the Constrictor Tour and Tesla's uh, Mechanical Resonance Tour. Yeah. Um, So Alice comes out, and he didn't do... Uh, I'm the man behind the mask, you know, the, the Friday 13th song. Right. And I was so pissed. I was so pissed. <laughs> and I'll never forget riding home with my dad from the concert. And he's like, what'd you think? You know, huh? 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 I'm like, he didn't play that song off a of constrictor, but he played that goddamn telephone is ringing song. Oh, <laughs> you fuck. Oh, and my dad looked at me. I, I I don't think I've ever seen as much shame in my father's face. Like oh. I just want to smack the taste out of your fucking mouth right now. You know, like you, you whiny fucking bitch. You're like he played under my wheels, and you're bitching me. Right. He didn't play that whole song from fucking Friday Thirteenth Part Six. <laughs> Oh my god! The disgust, you know. But then years later, I realized how lucky I was. Yeah, and it, you know, it it was so like I'll never forget the guy in front of me. The guy in front of me had a trench coat on, big trench coat. This is like pre, you know, for you millennials, uh, you know, pre fucking uh, uh, the Matrix had a huge trench coat on, and in the middle of Tesla, he opens it up and he had a bong in this trench coat that was the length of the trench coat. Wow. And fucking lit this motherfucker up and start hitting it. And I look at my dad, I go, what the fuck is that? He goes, I don't know. He goes, but inhale the smoke. <laughs> True story. Wow. <laughs> True story. Ask me if uh, you can take a puff off of that. Oh, oh, I took a big puff. I, I, I took a big puff. Unfortunately, it wasn't enough for me to realize that fucking uh, Under My Wheels is a lot better than fucking Teenage Frankenstein. <laughs> but, uh, Amen to that. But, you know, shit happens. I love Alice Cooper. I saw Alice Cooper open up for Motley Crue twice on their farewell tour, and both times Alice Cooper blew them the fuck off stage. Nice. I mean, Al- blew them the fuck off stage. And lucky enough to see Alice. I think I've seen Alice five or six times. I mean, that is a showman. That is a performer. That is a, a talent. 
But yeah, his last couple albums sucked. <laughs> I love how you you wrap that up. So uh, next story, <laughs> I'll take I'll, I'll take you this. What do you guys think about this? Phil Lewis slams Steve Riley's new version of L.A. Guns. What do you guys think? Does it really matter? I think I think it's very funny because it was only a few years earlier that Phil Lewis was doing the same thing to uh, Tracy, Tracy Guns. Guns yeah. uh, weird version of L.A. Guns. So I, I, I think there, there's a lot of hypocrisy here. Uh, actually, I think it's nothing but hypocrisy here. So does that yeah. mean the only valid version of L.A. Guns is whatever version has Phil Lewis in it? Well, that that, that seems like what, what his opinion is. And it, it's unfortunate because, you know, they got together with the original lineup and then that kind of broke up. They did an album that was very well received. Um, but Tracy Guns left to join uh, Brides of Destruction with... Uh, Nikki Six. With Nikki Six. Right. And, uh, and and that went nowhere. You know, but during that time, it was Phil Lewis and Steve Riley, and they were ragging on Tracy Guns. And, like, him, you know, after Bryce's instructions panned out, he did his own version of L.A. Guns. And they're like, what are you doing? You know, you left L.A. Guns, and now you're doing this. And now Phil Lewis is slamming... Steve Riley for doing the same thing that they were doing before. I think the whole thing is a hypocrisy. It sucks. I was just original members of LA Guns would get together and do something as cool as cocked and loaded because that shit kicks ass. Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, I guess, and it's probably got a lot to do with the fact that the bitching that was going on when Tracy and Phil and all them guys were separated, but for whatever reason, they can't get back together with Steve Riley. You know, it, it takes me back to two weeks ago when we were talking to Mike Frazier and we were talking about John Karabi and Motley Crue. And the question that always comes up, and I always love to hear people's perspective on it, is shouldn't Motley Crue have changed their name to something else when Vince Neil was out of the band? And the answer seems to always universally be, yeah, but there's so much name power behind Motley Crue. And I think that's really what it comes down to with L.A. Guns, too. Not as much name power as Motley Crue, but, you know, you're going to draw more people to a L.A. Guns concert than you are to a Steve Riley band concert featuring the music of L.A. Guns. I I agree with that a thousand percent. I I think the uh, John Karabi Motley Crue record is only rivaled by it shot at the devil as far as like a Motley Crue record. Um, But should it be called something different? Yes. But the thing is, who has the balls to take the chance on calling it like Elevator Operator 9? You know what I mean? (laughs) Or whatever, yeah. You you know, nobody nobody wants to take that chance because everything is in a fucking name. Everything is in a fucking name. I mean, look at Van Halen. I mean, seriously, I mean, you, you guys all know how I stand, but right. look at Van Halen, uh, look at David Lee Ross, Eat Him and Smile, look at Van Halen's 5150. What sounds more like Van Halen? Well, okay. Eat Him and Smile. Yeah. But, but one has the title Van Halen and one doesn't. 
Right. You know, there there is a name recognition thing, and it's unfortunate, and especially in America, because Americans are so fucking dumb and so fucking pre-programmed, you know, and, and they can't accept something new and, and something different when it should honestly be named something different. Like, you know, Motley Crue 94, I believe, is an incredible hard rock heavy metal album. I think it's great. It has nothing to do with Shout of the Devil. Nope. With, you know, with fucking Theater of Pain, with, you know, with Girls, Girls, Girls. It has nothing to do with that. This is a new entity with a new singer, with a new vibe, with a new this. But what's easier to sell to the mass public, mm-hmm. you know? And it, it's unfortunate we live in in a world where you, you don't have that freedom to just say, hey, I'm starting over. You know, I'm doing right. something new. But, if, goes, you, but it, if you look at it like a L.A. Guns, like in about today, with Steve Riley's version and 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 Tracy and Phil's version, you know, when you talk about who's most recognizable in L.A. Guns, you got to figure it's Tracy and Phil. Those are the guys that really made but, the original sound of L.A. Guns. Yes, but, but, yes, the classic you, members if, also had a hand in that, of course. But when it comes to Steve Riley. Yeah, you know, awesome. Yeah, Steve Riley's awesome. He was kick-ass in Wasp. He's kick-ass in L.A. Guns. But is he the focal point of L.A. Guns? It doesn't matter. Oh. It doesn't matter one single bit. If you oh, feel no, like, if you feel like, if- you know, Tracy and Phil are the the sound of L.A. Guns, it doesn't matter. It's really a legal thing. Who owns the rights? And that's really all it comes down to. But if you listen to the new shit with, like, uh, Steve Riley's uh, L.A. Guns, the new singer, he sounds just like Phil Lewis. Musically, it's more in tune with classic L.A. Guns. So it, it, it is, it, it's a fucked up proposition. Right. But what both of them are fighting over is name recognition because what name is going to get me more money? from a promoter. Right. You know, it has nothing to do with integrity. It has nothing to do with who's writing better music. Sure. It's like, if I say it's LA guns, this guy's going to promise me this much money. Right. It's all about money. It's not about music integrity. It's not about writing great shit. It's not about who's in the band. It's about who can, I mean, the prime example is fucking Bobby Blotzer with rat, you know, uh, I'm going to get more money from this promoter if I say it's, you know, rat than if I say it's Bobby Blotzer's uh, summer experience. Kind exactly. Of yeah. If you're if your booker, your manager is calling a club to book a show and he says, hey, man, this is so and so. And I am managing, you know, Steve Riley. You know, Steve Riley was once a member of Wasp, and he was once a member of L.A. Guns, and he's the drummer. And Blackfoot. <laughs> and Blackfoot, yeah. And, you know, you say all that, and you say, they say, well, jeez, uh, I don't know how that's going to draw. Or you answer the phone, you say, hey, I'm here representing L.A. Guns. And they go, oh, yeah, yeah, Ballad of Jane, you sex action. Hell, yeah, I remember that band. That's money. Yep. And that's all it comes down to. 
That, that's what I love about podcasts is none of us make, you know, the, the money that the Podfather makes. You know, so we, we can be honest, you know. <laughs> Podfather is all about money, you know. You talking about we, Ken Mills? Yeah, Ken Mills. <laughs> Ken, Ken Mills. You, you know how much money Ken Mills makes at appearances where he's like, I'm Ken Mills of this podcast. I'm Ken, Ken Mills has 76 podcasts. True story. It's all about the Ken Mills name display. But that's yeah, you know, that's Ken the re- that's the reverse of that. You can list all the hundred different podcasts, and you're going to get yeah. fifty bucks. But if you say I'm Ken Mills, you're going to get a hundred bucks. Exactly, dude. When all this shit happened with me, you know, it's like you know, Rock and Metal Combat podcast faded out, De- uh, Diablos and Podcastica faded out, and I was like, God, I just need somebody to talk to that that you know, can understand me. I called Ken Mills. I, I said, Ken, I'm like, I'm at the end of my rope. I'm, I'm suicidal. And, and Ken said, Hey, it's shark week. Can you call me next Tuesday? <laughs> uh, true story. True story. Ken Mills don't give a fuck. He's a good name. He's a brand name. Can't wait for him to hear this. That's awesome. Oh, <laughs> uh, I ain't going to even tell you what Courtney Cronin-Dowd said, you know, because this is a family podcast. That hua. <laughs> oh, my God. What are you oh going to do? God. We've been going for over three hours, guys. Yeah, we've been going for a while. <laughs> hey, break it up into two episodes. I don't care. <laughs> I'll just make it a super long one. Yeah, let's go. All right. So the only other couple ones I can think of, I mean, is Ozzy really, truly working on working on a new album? Uh, that, that's a horrible story. No, no, he's not. <laughs> oh, man, I don't. I don't, know. I don't think he is. All right. How, how about Megadeth's Dave Mustaine and uh, well, the one about where uh, Dave Mustaine said uh, Junior ate it in his lawsuit. Oh, right. Well, yeah. I mean, and like this is this is one of those things where I love Dave Mustaine, but like it, it's just one of those things where like he tries to make Ellison look good in this, but it, it makes him look bad. Right. Said, no. That- that's why I think it's a great story to talk well, about. I guess, but the sh- to make a long story short, back when in the early 2000s, you know, Dave Ellison was out of Megadeth. He sued Dave Mustaine for like $18 million and for like unpaid right. royalties and stuff. And yeah. the, the judge denied it. The judge made Dave Ellison pay the legal fees and, Story goes that Dave Mustaine wound up flying and had a layover in Phoenix, called up Dave Ellison and said, hey, I want to have dinner with you. And Dave Ellison said yes. And then Dave Ellison apologized and said, I'm so sorry. Suing you was the biggest mistake I ever made. But it's one of those things where it's like, is that really something that you want to put out for public consumption? You know? Yeah. But what I'm saying, though, is is uh, Mustaine put that out. So I know that's what I'm saying. I mean, isn't isn't Ellison a member of Megadeth now? Oh yeah. So that seems really uh, weird to put out well, something and be like, "Hey, remember that time that uh, Ellison, you know, my my co guy here, the guy that's really it's me and him and Megadeth really making this shit happen. You know, we got a new album coming out. It's gonna be freaking awesome. Yeah, you know what? There was a time he wasn't in the band, and you know, he come around, begged for his job back, and you know, I gave it to him." That's that's real yeah. morale building shit there, you know. Yeah, Megadeth Dave Mustaine uh, saying that Junior, you know, kind of 
ate shit, you know, when he sued him. I, I, I think it's bullshit. I, I think it was, uh, it was a valid suit to an extent. I mean, yes, Dave Mustaine is Megadeth, uh, but nobody was there longer and for more of a duration than, than uh, Dave Ellison. But for Dave to keep coming out and saying, like, oh, yeah, you know, Dave saw the errors of his ways, that just kind of fuels the flames of Dave being an asshole and bringing shit back up. What do you guys think? I completely agree. I don't I I think it's too. in poor taste to even bring it up. Yeah, kind of shitty. I, I agree. And with Megadeth, I don't know. It's just, it's it's uh it's a rough case because there is no Megadeth without Dave Mustaine. Right. But uh, you know, I mean, look look at the lineups that didn't include Junior. And for those who don't know, Junior is Dave Ellison Junior. You know, th- those aren't the classic lineups. So you have all this shit. Dave was there from the beginning, built all this shit up, and then. Mustaine says, ah, I can't play because of my arm, so I'm dismantling Megadeth. Tough shit to anybody's owed money. Dave sued him, didn't get it. Probably spent a shit ton of money trying. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know he spent a, a shit ton of money trying. But what sucks is, like, now you get back together, but there's a power shift because now Dave Ellison, you know, he is a... Yeah, he he's a hired hand, and that was the same thing when Dave was trying to call back all the members from the Rust and Peace era. Uh, you know, Nick Menza, Marty Freeman, and it's a hell of a you know, lineup. And he's calling all of them back, but you're going to be hired hands. You know, it's the Dave Mustaine show, but you're all hired hands. Uh, I can get why they turned him down because I think it was probably. Uh, a piss poor proposition from a musician standpoint. I agree. I can dig it. Mine. Yes. This, well, th- this is kind of hard to ignore because it was kind of a big story in the past week. Rob Halford says that he once tried to seduce former Iron Maiden frontman Paul Diano. He uh, made the revelation in his upcoming autobiography, Confess, which has already been described as the UK's by the UK's Telegraph as one of the most candid and surprising memoirs of the year. Wow. In the in the book, Rob Halford recalls inviting Deano back to his hotel room when Maiden supported Priest on a 1980 tour. Just prior to the track, Deano was quoted in the music paper as saying that Maiden was going to, quote, blow the bollocks off Priest on the track, a statement which irked then Priest guitarist K.K. Downing, enough to want to remove Maiden from the bill. Halford writes, according to Metal Hammer, we really didn't hang out and banner with Maiden much on that tour, but maybe I took Deano's comment that he would blow Priest off the stage too literally because the one night we got <laughs> drunk together, I tried to seduce him. We went to my room to carry on drinking, but I was too pissed to try anything, and he was too pissed to even know I wanted to try. I think so, that it was definitely for the best. So I heard you wanted to blow me. No, no, no. Yeah. I, I said we were going to blow you off the stage. Mm-hmm. All I heard was you wanted to blow me. I just think that it's hilarious that millions of homophobic metalheads would have been worshipping two bands that had the lead singers that had sex with each other. I just think that's hilarious. Well, you know, it's kind of a funny thing because I remember years ago I met a lady 
that had lived in Phoenix for many a years, and her husband was a part of the rock music scene. He was a musician, and well before Rob Helford ever came out, she told me, well, you know, Rob Helford's gay. <laughs> and it's kind of funny to think back to those times where it was like, uh-uh, no way. Rob Helford, lead singer of Judas Priest, how can that be? You know, and then years grow by, and you grow up, and you learn things, and you become smarter, wiser, a little more accepting, and you think, well, that ain't no big deal, who cares? But when I was young, and she told me that, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, no way. But it turns out she was 100% right, and as it turns out, who the hell cares? Whatever. Yeah, fuck whoever you want to. Uh, yeah, no, I, I agree a thousand percent. The same thing happened to me. I was uh, hanging out at OzFest one year with a rock photographer. I can't remember his name, but he was a well-known rock photographer. And we were talking about Rob Halford, and uh, he goes, oh, yeah, you know he's gay, right? And I was like, stop it. I'm tired of hearing this bullshit. You know, this is in the mid-90s. I'm like, oh, just because Judas Priest wears leather doesn't mean he's gay. He's like, hey, dude. He's like, calm down. He's like, I'm not saying, you know, there's anything wrong with him. He's a great guy, but I'm telling you, he's gay as the day is long. And I'm like, fuck you. Fuck all this shit. You know, you're just trying to slam Judas Priest. And then when Rob Offer came out like a year later, said, oh, yeah, I'm gay. I was like, oh, Okay. <laughs> I knew that, uh, I guess. I guess I was wrong. It doesn't bother me, though. It doesn't bother me one oh, bit. No. And I, I, I think it would be a greater story if he did fuck uh, <laughs> And yeah. they'd have had a baby. Sure. But regardless... That is, baby would have grown up and saved metal in 2020? You know, I, I went I went through this thing with, with my son, you know, because my, my ex-wife's side of the family was very, you know religious, very right-wing kind of thing, very anti-gay, anti-whatever, you know. So I'm trying to deprogram my son from all this shit. This subject came up about how he was programmed about to to be anti-homophobic. And I said, hey, you like Judas Priest? He's like, I love Judas Priest. I was like, has any Judas Priest song ever made you want to suck a dick? He goes, no. (laughs) And I'm like, well, what do you care? Well, I, I, I guess nothing. I go, exactly. Exactly. I go, love Judas Priest. Whatever a grown man does in their own fucking bedroom, how does it affect you? What does it do? And he's like, well, you got a point, you know? And it was one of those moments where, you know, I was actually proud to be a parent and not like, oh, fuck, I'm scared to be a parent, <laughs> you know? Right on. I was like, God damn, at least I can get my son to see this. And my son right now loves Judas Priest. And I'll tell you right now, my son is very much more right-wing than I am. But uh, he doesn't care. He's like, I love Judas Priest. They kick ass. I don't care what his politics are. And I'm like, that's what it's all about. Who gives a As long as you love the music, as long as it moves you and it does this, what do you care? What do you care what other people do? All I can say is I it, when I found out that it, the hot rockin' video suddenly made a lot of sense. <laughs> oh no, I, I I no, I I get that. I get that and I'm, you know, and you hear like the lyrics for Jawbreaker and you're like, "Oh, yeah. Right, eat me oh, alive." 
Eat me alive. Oh, my God. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But you know what? At, at the end of the day, who's the fucking metal god? Oh, I, yeah. Exactly. I love Judas Priest. Don't get me wrong. No, it, it, it's Rob Hoffer. No matter, you know, it doesn't matter what he does. You know, and, and there was is a motherfucker that I cannot stand. Uh, Ted Nugent said, I don't care what you do as long as you don't splash it on me. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what? That's kind of a great idea. You know what? And he probably wouldn't adhere to that same, you know, mentality right now. But he said that in the 80s. And the funny thing is, uh, Ted Nugent opened up for Judas Priest in 1984 on the Defenders of the Faith tour. Who cares? Who cares what other people do? As long as they don't have to. I just wonder if Paul Diano is going to have a response to this. You know, know, Paul Diano is a very, like, he's a really cool dude. If anything, I could see Paul Diano saying, I'm honored that he wanted to fuck me. (laughs) You know, (laughs) that's the Paul Diano that I know that I've read through interviews. It's probably going to be an interview like that. He's going to laugh it off and say, hey, at least he wanted to fuck me. You know, sure. You know, like I'd be honored. I would be honored, too. I I don't think I'd follow through, but I would be totally freaking honored by it. Hey, I, I am not a gay man, but, you know, put a level to me. I'm cockeyed. You know, but if if fucking Rob Hofford wanted to fuck me, I'd be like, hell yeah, I did something right. At least fucking Rob Hofford wanted to fuck me. Hey, none of us are Howie Long. <laughs> hey, oh my god, you know how how excited that made me. Oh my god, Imagine, oh, yeah, you're a Raiders I, fan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They used to have this thing, at, you know, and I know you guys know this because you know Cock Rock era in Metal Edge magazine. They used to have this question of the month. And it was like, if you could sleep with anybody, who would it be? And Rob Halford goes, Howie Long. And I was like, <laughs> that's hot. That's hot. Like, you know, me personally, I'm a Lyle Elzato guy, but, you know, I can totally see where Rob's coming from. Hey, you know, hey, they're both, they're both hitters. You know, I, I, I'll snuggle with each of you, you know. It's kind of funny because uh, you, you guys, I'm sure you both have seen the movie That Thing You Do. Well, it's about like a band from. It's a fictional band from the sixties, but Tom Hanks directed the movie, and he plays the manager. Well, there's a deleted scene from that movie. the The manager is based on Brian Epstein from the Beatles, and as you guys probably both know, Brian Epstein was a gay guy. Well, the, in the in the deleted scene, he comes out of the hotel and he's talking to the guys in the band, and a car pulls up to pick him up, and it's his boyfriend, and the boyfriend was played by Howie Long. That's hot. so does that about wrap it up for the news stories this week <laughs> yeah i think so this has been a complete cluster yeah it has this is gonna be one hell of an edit oh i see how it is listen I see how it is. why don't we let ian edit this one? Oh yeah right some things will never change all right bruce hornsby all right can i tell you guys a story before we get out of here Yes. Yes. All right. So you guys know me pretty well. You know, I grew up in a city in north central Wisconsin called Merrill. You know, today it's got a population of about 10,000. And when I was a kid, it was probably about half of that. 
And being that it's all the way up there in north central Wisconsin, you know, growing up, I'm pretty well surrounded by like 99% fellow people of like German and Scandinavian descent. I know growing up in Illinois, Ian, you can kind of relate to that a little bit, but talk about like 100 miles north. Right. So growing up in Merrill, Wisconsin, I'm surrounded by all kinds of white people, except for Black Eddie. And you know how Black Eddie got his nickname? Mm-mm. Growing up in central Wisconsin, we had all kinds of Eddies, but we only had one black guy. I'm talking literally like all white people, and it was Eddie and his sister Amy, and they were the only black people I even knew growing up. I remember my little brother staring at Eddie when he was little because he was the first black person he'd ever seen in person in his life. Well, black Eddie grew up in Merrill, Wisconsin, and he was like the coolest dude. And he was kind of a wild and crazy dude, but I don't know. Fuck. And he died in a motorcycle accident like just the other day. Oh, I'm sorry, man. And he was a metalhead. Like, because he grew up in central Wisconsin, and because he was the only black dude, he just was like any one of the rest of us. Like, nobody ever looked at him any different kind of way. I mean, if they did, I had no idea, because I always thought he was a cool dude. I never thought twice about the fact that he was the only black guy that I knew. And... He was a huge Ozzy fan. He loved Metallica. He loved Skid Row and he loved Motley Crue. He loved all these, the same bands that like I liked. And I always remember him because like as we grew up, like in the, say in the mid to late nineties, it'd be before Ace was born and before I started on radio, I was working at a wood window factory. Then I worked with Eddie and Eddie was such a cool dude because he was a rock and roller. He was like, like I said, he was like any one of us. And I remember one day I came out of work and he was out there in his car and I'd always go up to him and be like, what's up, Eddie? You know, what are you doing? And smoke a cigarette on my break. And I walked up to his car that day and he was playing some rap music. And I said to him, hey, Eddie, you know, what's going on, brother? What What are you listening to? Like, yeah, listen to some rap music. And it was the first time, like, I'd ever heard, because he was a metalhead, you know. It was the first time I ever heard him listening to rap. Mm-hmm. And I said, uh, you know, really? Why are you listening to rap music? And he's like, I don't know. I guess I just feel like I should. And I was like, really? I was like, okay, well, do you like it? He's like, yeah. Not really. And I was like, well, then why the fuck are you listening to it? He's like, I don't know. You know, I, I, at the time, you know, I didn't really get it. But like looking back on it now, it was like he was, because he was a black dude, you know, and he felt like, well, shit, I'm not supposed to be a Metallica fan. I'm not supposed to be an Ozzy fan. I'm supposed to be a fan of like whatever it was he was listening to at the time, you know, and I was like, well, you like it? It's like, no, not really. 
And I was like, well, fuck that, man. Put in some Metallica and blast that because I knew that was his favorite shit. And he took that tape out and tossed it in his back seat and put in like Master of Puppets and cranked it up. and was like, fuck yeah, man. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> and I always awesome. remember like Eddie and his sister Amy, too. Like, I feel grateful because, you know, I didn't grow up in a place. And, and it's like nowadays there's so much racial fucking tension and shit going on. And, you know, I grew up in a place where there, it was, like I said, majorly white people because it was all German and Scan- Scandinavian, North Central Wisconsin people. But there was just the one black dude and his sister. And he was such a cool dude. Like, I don't know if it, it just kind of like gave me a feeling like if it wasn't for that guy, I might have grown up to be a racist. Like somebody might have influenced me along the way to make me racist. But because the only two black people I knew growing up, growing up were like the coolest people around, it made me like immune to being a racist. Like I remember like years later I moved down to Tennessee and I met my first like true racist person that was talking to me about like the clan and shit. And I was an asshole to him and I was like, Well, you know, that sounds great, but does that mean I gotta hate all black people? And he was like, Well, yeah. And I was like I was being a dick and I was fucking with him and I was like, Well, you know, what about Reggie White? You know, do I have to hate Reggie White? Because, you know, I just can't bring myself to hate Reggie White. And I was just being an asshole to this guy because I thought, what a fucking dick, you know, to hate somebody based on the color of their skin and then, like, broad paint that on everybody just because of their color of their skin. And, like, man, I'm telling you, Eddie Myers was a cool motherfucker. You know, just an awesome dude, funny as fuck would party you under the table, me under the table, Ian under the table any day of the week. No, I ain't joking. This guy could fucking party, man. And just an awesome guy. And I was going to say something about him on the show. I'm probably going to edit this out because it... No, no, no. Leave that in. Because I'm kind of drunk and it sounds kind of stupid, but... No, no. That was good. You need to leave that in. Leave it. Well... Then, if I'm going to leave it in, then raise a toast with me, brothers, to a fellow yes. rock and roller as ourselves. My awesome friend who recently passed away from Merrill, Wisconsin. Awesome dude, Eddie Myers. Here's to you, brother. Cheers. Eddie Myers. All right. Well, I guess that's about all the time we have for today. And then some. <laughs> This has been a lot of fun. I guess before we get out of here, I got to tell everybody, you know, follow us on Facebook, you know, like the Facebook page, get in on the conversation. I mean, we got the Decibel Geek community. You can be a part of that. If you want to become a Decibel Geek VIP, that's an awesome thing to do because, I mean, it could cost you a buck and you get all kinds of extra content. I don't know if anybody listens to it. We got a bunch of VIPs right now. I just released episode number 108, 109, and 110 of the Chris and Aaron show is on its way. I honestly don't think anybody listens to this shit because in episode 108, I tell a story about how I got arrested in 1994 
and Rock and Ron's is the only one that's come back to me and been like, "Holy shit, dude, that's a crazy ass story." I need to so, put up a poll on the uh, Patreon. If you are a Decibel Geek VIP and you are paying a dollar a month, what the hell are you doing, man? Listen to the Chris and Aaron show. I've got I've been putting out all kinds of outtakes and stuff from the quarantine sessions, and really, as funny as that stuff was. The behind-the-scenes shit is almost twice as funny. So if you're already a VIP and you're not listening to the Chris and Aaron show, you're missing out on something that you're paying for that's really, really good. If yeah. you're not a Decibel Geek VIP, for a buck a month, you can hear the story about how I got arrested in 1994. And it's a crazy freaking story. On top of that, all kinds of cool other stuff. We got Torpedo Dudes. Chris and I are scheduled to do a couple more episodes of that. That's our KISS podcast. That's only available to Decibel Geek VIPs. If you want a Decibel Geek t-shirt, you go to clickteeshop.com. That's clickteeshop with a K, just like KISS, the hottest band in the world. Ian, let me hear you. Oh, my God. He missed the cue. We keep on going. (laughs) (laughs) But just all kinds of cool stuff to get involved with with the Decibel Geek Podcast. Ian, this has been an extra long episode, but you know what? Hanging out with you, my friend, it's always worth it. Ian's passed out. Everybody, thanks for joining us. Chris, dude, my brother, my friend, awesome as always. Yeah, good times. Super long recording, but uh, it was definitely fun. As soon as we get off here, we need to call Ian back and wake him up. So, yeah, everybody, true. say goodnight to Ian. Goodnight, Ian. Ian. And we'll see you guys <laughs> just, next week. Since he just left the call. <laughs> <laughs> I think he passed out. That's a great way to end the episode. That means we out him. <laughs> yes, we did. 